Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're the end crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. Welcome in on a Monday afternoon to the Mike Heller Show. It was a busy weekend. It was a busy weekend for golf. It was a spectacular weekend on the PGA Tour. I think we kind of got robbed a little bit at some level, didn't we? Uh, considering the U.S. Open and how that worked out a week ago with Brooks Kepka. Not that Kepka was an undeserving champion. He was very deserving. But the dramatics at the Travelers yesterday and the finish... Bring you to a topic there as well. Jordan Spieth, spectacular. He is now sandwiched in to be the second youngest of the three youngest to have won their first 10 PGA Tour events. He is behind Nicholas and sandwiched between Nicholas and Tiger Woods. Man, that's impressive. And the fashion in which he did it and the celebration that happened after he did it, that was also spectacular. So there was that. Didn't expect it, by the way. Didn't expect that the PGA Tour, the Travelers, would outshine what happened a week ago at the U.S. Open. Kind of did because of the name involved, the shot involved, the celebration involved. There was also the AmFam Championship. And now, a lot of people thought that Steve would win that tournament, and I knew that St- I felt like Steve would be a contender, but that's not how golf works. It's not like a tennis tournament. A tennis tournament, the best player will win. More often than not, in golf, there, it, there is such a fine line that is the difference between the best player in a round or in a weekend. So you, when you give that consideration, Steve Stricker finishing top three is spectacular. And a really deserving champion in Freddie Couples. And health-wise, if he's healthy enough, it means he'll be back next year to defend it. And what this tournament is going to turn into is everybody will want to play in the AmFam Championship on the Champions Tour. They just will. It's a great venue. It is a tremendously well-supported event. And Steve is unbelievably popular on the Champions Tour. So there's that. And then there is the Brewers. And then there is John McEnroe. And there's so much to get to on the McEnroe conversation, just as there is. Enough to get to on the Brewers conversation, but I'll hold that for an hour. Because in an hour, Drew Olson will join me, and Drew lost an Ian's Pizza Bet 
on the Brewers when they emerged from the finish of play on Sunday, still in first place, and a game and a half clear of the Chicago Cubs. Brewers have today off. Cubs are in Washington. Milwaukee will be in Cincinnati to begin a set against the Reds beginning tomorrow. John Adias is off today. He was on a golf course. Good for him. And not working on the golf course, but playing on the golf course. So good for him with a day free today. I would say he was suspended, but, I mean, he, he certainly has done enough things to be suspended for. Uh, but we just gave him the day today to go do what he's doing. So Jimmy Kuska is with me in studio. Hello, James. Hey, what's going on, Mike? How often are you called James, and is it only when you're in trouble? It's only when I'm in trouble and quite a bit. So I answered that backwards. So you're in trouble a lot. Yes. And when you are in trouble, um, it goes more formal. James. James. Yeah. All right. Well, you're not in trouble here, so go ahead and push the button. We can start the show. This is the Big Two at Two. The top two trending sports stories this hour. Number two. So we begin here. Number two in the uh, big two at two. Uh, did you now, Jimmy? I'm going to ask you the question. I hope you saw it because I didn't ask you this before we started. Um, but the uh, or heard it rather. Did you hear McEnroe's comments? Uh, these comments right here. Yep. Those, um, I should right probably. There? I, I got to press the on button. To press make the on yep. and then push the play. Radio. So the little arrow right is play, and <laughs> on is you just the light switch. Best female player ever, no question. Some would say she's the best player in the world. Why qualify it? You mean the best player in the world, period? Yeah, best tennis player in the world. You know, why, why say female player? Well, because if she was a, if she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. So you're asking me my thoughts on that comment? Well, okay, so the host on that NPR show is Lulu Garcia-Navarro. So can you play it again? Because I want to I ask you about the Lulu's... Are, you know what's more egregious here to me? What Lulu says in her response when McEnroe says that Serena Williams is the greatest female tennis player in the world, that she responds back, why qualify it? She's the one that's wrong here. Listen to it again. Best female player ever. No question. Some would say she's the best player in the world. Why qualify it? You mean the best player in the world, period? Yeah, best tennis player in the world. You know, why, why say female player? Well, because if she was a if she played the men's circuit, she'd be like seven hundred in the world. So everybody is focused in on McEnroe's comments. I want to get what what's your initial reaction when you hear it? My initial reaction is uh, that it's probably an exchange that shouldn't have happened for either person. I guess it, to me that that's what stands out about it. It's just it, they took it to a place they probably didn't need to go to. Well, I thought she did. So so here's here's my point. Lulu Garcia Navarro. Now, this is on NPR. Uh, when Lulu Garcia Navarro says, why qualify it? Well, it would be as if I were saying, uh, I'm trying to come up with the example. Um, who, who's, who's the best swimmer in the world? Depending on who you ask, uh, I guess Michael Phelps or Ryan Lochte. Right, um, but if I said um, if I said whoever you know whoever dominated on the female side is she's the best swimmer in the world. No, you do have to qualify it. Who's the who's the best college football team in America? Clemson last year they won it, right? Okay. Does Whitewater have a claim? Does St. Thomas have a claim? No. We're talking about there's a you have to differentiate that 
you know, why not? Why when Lulu says why qualify it? Because it needs qualification. Serena Williams is the most accomplished tennis player that's ever played the game. That's not saying she's the best. She is the best female tennis player ever. She's the most accomplished tennis player ever. She's not the best tennis player to ever play the game. Because she can't compete with the men who have dominated their side of the sport. And to bring it up as a conversation piece is silly. It doesn't need to be qualified in regards to her success. But you can't say Serena Williams is the best tennis player that's ever played the game because that's not true. It would be akin to saying Florence Griffith Joyner is the best sprinter ever in track and field. Well, no, she isn't. Usain Bolt is. The The men's all-time best for the 100-meter dash is 9.58 seconds. The women's best is 10.49. You have to qualify... It would be akin to saying, was Platteville the best college basketball program in America when Bo Ryan was their head coach? They were the best Division Three basketball program in America. They were the most accomplished basketball program in America. You don't have to qualify because they won the three titles in a time span that nobody else had won that at the Division One level. So you could say that Bo Ryan in his time at Platteville over a 10-year uh, span was the most accomplished basketball program in the country. But once you say it was the best program in the country, now you've got to put qualifiers in there. They were the best Division Three program in the country. Now, again, this is not on McEnroe. But can you play it again? I, I know I'm, I'm isolated on one topic here in our big two at two. But play it again and listen just to what McEnroe says and then just to what is said in response. Best female player ever, no question. Some would say she's the best player in the world. Why qualify it? Stop. You mean the best player in the world, period? Stop. So when McEnroe says she is the best female tennis player of all time, why would she come back and say, why qualify it? Because you have to qualify it. You have to qualify. Well, they're competing in different sports. I mean, it's tennis is the sport, but they're competing in different, you know, there's men's tennis and women's tennis. It's a different field. It's a different deal. It's like, okay, it, it would be a, it would be like me saying the Division Two national champion, they're the best college. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's basketball program in America in Division Two. Platteville under Bo Ryan, Whitewater in their football and basketball success. To say Whitewater was the most accomplished program in the country over a five-year span would be accurate. To say they were the best would be inaccurate. To say that Serena Williams was the most accomplished tennis player that has ever played the game is accurate. To say she's the best player ever to play the game has to be qualified. She's the best female player to ever play the game. We'll hit on that a little bit more. Um, It's just a concept that bugged me 
because everybody's talking about McEnroe, and nobody mentioned that Lulu Garcia Navarro screwed that sucker up. She's the one that made this conversation. Otherwise, it's just McEnroe heaping praise on Serena Williams. And Lulu Garcia Navarro took the praise away and made it a gender discussion. That's on her. Number one. I got all fired up there. It's, and listen, <laughs> I, I think that Serena is the greatest female player to ever play the game. And she is the most accomplished player to ever play the game. And I think that needs to be more celebrated than what it is. Absolutely. I do, I do, I do. Uh, all right. So over the weekend, there was also the celebration when Jordan Spieth made the uh, tournament-winning bunker shot on the first hole of sudden death at the Travelers Championship. There is Now, I heard, listened to Dan Patrick talk about this this morning, and he was waiting for somebody to write the narrative that, that was the celebration was out of bounds. And it's the part that I disagree with Dan on, is I don't think anybody's going to write that narrative. There's nobody that looks at that and says that that was out of bounds. I haven't heard it, and I don't think we will. Because it is... Listen, I talked to a bunch of people after the U.S. Open last week. And one of the guys I talked to, a little bit old school, um, but it's a person I like a lot, have respect for. He said the game lacks personality. And what happened when Spieth made the, the bunker shot on the first hole of sudden death of the Travelers was all personality. A, it was spectacular. What a great tournament winning shot. Spectacular. The reaction is even more spectacular. If Spieth gives it a half-hearted fist pump or just his hand raised in the air and that's it, if he gave you a, a Brooks Kepka celebration after he made that, you know, just a, a little bit of a smile and a fist pump, there's not much to it. The celebration is what makes it spectacular. He didn't step on anybody's line. He didn't throw his putter into the stands. He threw or his wedge. He threw his wedge, but into the bank of the bunker, and his caddy, Michael Greller, threw the rake in the other side of the bunker. And then they, they chest bumped. And it was spectacular. It's the greatest single shot highlight in golf since Tiger Woods. Got two different calls of this one if you want to hear them. Let's hear, can we hear them when we come back? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's do that. Because I, w- I want to expound up upon that just a bit, and we'll do it. And also get to your phone calls. You want to weigh in on that, you can. 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. There's two conversations available. McEnroe and Serena, which I think gets buried in the lead. Uh, the lead gets buried, rather. Is Lulu Garcia Navarro, to me, is is the lead story there. What the heck was she doing? And the other conversation is about the end of the Travelers and a golf celebration that was spectacular, my opinion. Do you have a different one? 877-729-1070. Back with more in a moment on The Mike Heller Show. Up onto the putting surface, rolling out towards the hole, and in the bottom! Oh, baby! He throws the sandwich! It's a chest bump with Michael Greller! I can't believe what I just saw! Oh, baby! He holds out for Bernie, and they're on their feet at the Travelers! That was fun. That was... I don't I don't know how many or if I'll have, ever have a moment equivalent to that again. 
something like that to win a tournament. But yeah, that was very memorable, and I, we certainly soaked it in. Just as good as it gets. Uh, it was spectacular. And by the way, Spieth, uh, his 10th PGA Tour win, only he and Tiger Woods have amassed 10 PGA Tour wins before turning 24. Hmm. That is spectacular. Uh, so that conversation. Listen, the celebration is the best I've ever seen in golf. Now, there's, there's a Ryder Cup that's had some moments Team competition is a little bit different, and uh, I'm just going to separate that out because those are those are uh, separate entities. And when you're playing for a country and it's a team competition, it's just a bit different. Individually, um, you know, the, the Tiger Woods has had a couple that would rival that. Larry Mize, um, there have been moments... I don't know that there's ever been a better one than yesterday. Better, I don't know. Also, there's conversation about the uh, John McEnroe conversation about Serena Williams, who I think gets left off the hook and the lead gets buried is NPR's Lulu Garcia Navarro. We'll get back to that in a few moments. Both conversations, any conversation, is open for you now at 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Just to be clear, I have no issue with McEnroe. I have no issue with Spieth and Michael Greller, his caddy, on their celebration. Zero on either. Zero on either. 877-729-1070. Greg in Madison, your first caller of the week. Hi, Greg. Hi, yeah. I was just wondering when you talk about the men versus women. Uh, if you take, like, a Kentucky basketball or North Carolina basketball versus a UConn, uh, would the spread be 50 points higher or lower? And which, which would you take if they were playing in a championship game? Well, A, I don't, I, I, I don't think it should ever be asked. I don't, I, and I'm not talking about comparing men and women at all. Um, and I don't think Kentucky should ever... I don't think we need to measure how would she play against him How would the women's team play against the men's team? I think having the conversation is silly. And I don't know that it. it, when we do that, I think we're doing a disservice to what UConn has done in women's basketball. I think when we say Serena Williams should try and play on a men's tour, I think we're doing a disservice to what Serena Williams has done. To me, it's like saying, let's see what Platteville, when they won their... NCAA Division Three championships. Let's see what they would do against a you know an NCAA champion in the Division One level. It's not the same. The other comment I have is about golf, then, because the golf tournament technically wasn't over yet when Spieth hit it. Uh, I loved when he threw it with his left hand, and then his uh, um, caddy he, he actually when he threw the rake, it landed on the green. I'm glad they didn't get penalized for it, but uh, could they have been penalized because? Technically, the golf tournament wasn't over, anyways. I love the I love the uh, explosion, how it happened, and stuff. But technically, I think he could have been uh, penalized for that throwing a rake on the green. Um. Yeah. Uh. I'd have to. I'd have to uh, look at that a little closer. I didn't see it landing on the green, but that doesn't mean it didn't. It just means I guess I didn't see where. I thought it landed in the bunker. To be honest with you. Uh, I'll look at it as as we speak. Listen, the the point is, yeah, the tournament wasn't done. I get that, and, and it wasn't uh, at that point. Um, there was still the opportunity uh, for the the uh, his opponent to make 
his shot from uh, just off the front left of the green, and uh, and he gave it a heck of a run. So that would be the issue, I guess. That would be the one that we'd have to put into play. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't over. And, and that, I suppose that's the point. From a penalty standpoint, um, I don't know that there there is anything in the decisions on the rules of golf that would um, impact from where the rake or the, the wedge landed when they were tossed away. I don't know that either one would come into play. I don't know that there's a written rule on that. Uh, there probably is from a affecting um, somebody's uh, shot line, uh, putting line. But uh, to be fair, I don't know the full um, rules on how that would uh, come together. I'm looking at the piece as I'm speaking again and trying to see where the rake lands because I didn't see that. I mean, I did see the rake get tossed, but I thought it hit in the bank, the grass bank of the front left of the bunker. I'm just looking for the other view of it. Um, to see where Greller's, uh, where the rake of the bunker landed when he tossed it. Um, so, in any case, uh, I get your point, Greg, but I don't know that that's in play. Uh, we continue the conversation, and I want to get back into the McEnroe piece. And Greg brings up a really interesting point, but I don't agree. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Be with it. And we'll get to that in a moment as well. Stick around. Your phone calls welcomed 877-729-1070. This is the Mike Heller Show. Back with you on a Monday afternoon, the Mike Heller Show. Drew Olson jumps in at about uh, 25 minutes time. John Adias is off today. James Kuska, not in trouble, Jimmy. Jimmy is with me in studio on a Monday afternoon. Uh, good job by the Brewers. Uh, they uh, find a way to avoid a sweep. Listen, sometimes it just doesn't happen the right way. And where the Brewers are concerned um, it, from the, the game Friday night, I believe it was Friday night, a couple of plays made late in that game uh, by Atlanta defensively were spectacular. Um, uh, took a, an opportunity away from Jesus Aguilar, uh, made a great play on Eric Thames at third base on a hit by Domingo Santana, a ball hit up the middle by Santana. Um, Dansby just made a tremendous play on that, and then their third baseman made a tremendous play to start a double play. I believe that was in the eighth inning. And uh, for the Brewers come back, they got good pitching in the weekend, just didn't have bats. Uh, Atlanta played great defense on Friday. No bats on Saturday, but the bats emerged yesterday. And the Brewers emerge from another weekend, still in first place, and a game and a half clear of the Chicago Cubs as you inch ever closer, ever closer, to the midway point of Major League Baseball's season. We are two weeks from tomorrow is Major League Baseball's All-Star game. So you're almost... Almost to the All-Star break. 
But these are the stories that kind of jump off the page at me. One is uh, the win yesterday by Jordan Spieth. Only he and Tiger Woods have gotten to 10 PGA Tour wins before turning 24. Now, from a jealousy standpoint, what we missed is Spieth doing it at the U.S. Open. Not winning in spectacular fashion like he did yesterday, but playing as he did this weekend so that he was on page one of the leaderboard. It's a game changer. Spieth is one of those guys. Spieth, McElroy, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, those are the guys. Spieth made the cut a week ago at the U.S. Open, but he wasn't in contention on Sunday. Yesterday at the Travelers, he was not only in contention, he holed a bunker shot on the first sudden death hole. Uh, Daniel Berger was just off the green. He still had to putt. But to clear up from the caller, Greg, when Jordan Spieth's caddy throws the rake, when Spieth threw the wedge after the ball holed out, neither the wedge nor the rake was anywhere near the green. Previous caller, Greg, said, what about when the rake lands on the green? It didn't even come close to landing on the green. In fact, it landed behind the bunker. He throws it from behind the bunker, and it landed behind the bunker. So, uh, Greg, the the rake wasn't anywhere near the putting surface, nor was it uh, did it even come close to being in the line of play. The only thing that's egregious about what Spieth and his caddy Michael Greller did is that Daniel Berger still had to play. And so the celebration, uh, you know, it's it's sort of premature, but I mean, I, I have no issue with it. Golf lacks some personality. It had some yesterday. That's what you want. That's absolutely what you want. So I had no issue with it. Is it akin to a bat flip in baseball? Mm, sort of. The problem is, is that Daniel Berger didn't deliver the pitch that Jordan Spieth hit his wedge into the hole. There's no defense in golf. So he didn't do it against Daniel Berger. They were both playing against the golf course trying to shoot a score, and he wasn't showing up Berger because it wasn't as though Berger hung a curveball. You know? So sometimes in a bat flip, the pitcher and the opposing team can be offended that you're showing us up. And I only sort of, I do sort of get it. In golf, I don't think there was anything there. There's nothing there. So to make this be a case where they really took it away from Daniel Berger's opportunity, by the time Berger was ready to go, it had to settle down anyway. Spieth was part of the group helping to settle the crowd down. And there was no crowd noise when Berger hit his putt. So it's not the same thing. All right, so there's that. If you disagree or have a different view of what happened at the end of the Travelers Championship on the PGA Tour yesterday, give me a call, 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. I have a bigger issue with this. When John McEnroe was interviewed to promote his book, he was interviewed by NPR's Lulu Garcia Navarro. Don't get me started on NPR because that's a different show. That's a different um formatted show that's a political formatted show i'm talking about the ones that would take a run at npr but let's listen back again to the give and take between john McEnroe and npr radio host lulu garcia navarro and tell me if you agree with my point that i'll make in advance that i have no issue with anything that McEnroe said 
Zero. My issue would be with Lulu Garcia Navarro. See if you agree. Best female player ever. No question. Some would say she's the best player in the world. Why qualify it? You mean the best player in the world, period? Yeah, best tennis player in the world. You know, why, why say female player? Well, because if she was a, if she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. Okay, so if you want to take offense to McEnroe saying 700, um, okay, so what if he just said the number 300? Would that be offensive? The, my, my issue is when Whitewater went through the run of winning Division Three college football championships, if somebody had gone on the radio at that point and said, Whitewater is the best football team in America, you'd be laughed off the radio. Whitewater is the best Division Three college football team in America. They're not the best college football team, and they're certainly not the best football team. Now, this gets into semantics, but it's a really easy differentiation. If I said for that period of time that Whitewater football was the most accomplished college football program in America, I would be, I would be accurate because saying they're the most accomplished, that means best championship-winning program. And that would be accurate because you could just look at the numbers. They had dominated their level of the sport and were decorated in doing so at a more consistent, greater level than any college football program in America, Alabama included. Not better. So when McEnroe says that Serena Williams is the greatest female tennis player of all time, and she says, why do you qualify it? Because you have to. If McEnroe said that Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player that's ever played the game, it's a lie. It's not true. It isn't. It's not true. So at the risk of bothering somebody who might take a feminist view of this, of course you qualify. Now here's another one. Here's the perfect example. If I say that the UConn women's basketball team is the most accomplished team in all of college basketball. I am accurate. If I say that the UConn women's basketball team is the best college basketball team in America, I'm inaccurate. And if I say to Lulu, if I said to Lulu Garcia Navarro that the UConn women's basketball team is the best women's basketball team in America, and Lulu said, why qualify? Why, why aren't they They're just the best team? Because they're not the best team. They're the most accomplished program in America. But they're not the best team because then I'm talking about all of basketball. And they're not. So I thought the lead got buried here. I thought that Lulu Garcia Navarro of NPR got off scot-free. Everybody that has been talking about this conversation today has phrased it under what John McEnroe said, agreed or disagreed with what he said, but they phrased it under what John McEnroe said. If McEnroe's comment would have been allowed to stand as said, most everybody would have agreed with him, and there was nothing else there. It wouldn't have made the news. 
It wouldn't have been on ESPN's bottom line. It wouldn't have been among the top stories. It was on the morning news programs today. It didn't belong there. The reason it made it is that Lulu Garcia Navarro made it a story by bad interviewing. Because she said, why qualify it? Why isn't she just the best player in the world? Um, because she... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's not. Because she's not probably in the top 300 in the world. McEnroe used the number 700. I don't know it well enough to argue with him. But she's not the best player in the world. And there's a, a broad Grand Canyon gap between being the best player and the most accomplished, most awarded, most celebrated. That's different. So I just thought it was, I thought McEnroe took a little heat. I don't think he took a lot of heat. I don't think most people, most evenly thinking people, Heard what McEnroe said and say, yeah, that, yeah, she is the best women's player maybe of all time. And if, and if Lulu Garcia would have said, why qualify it? Why isn't she just the best player of all time? And McEnroe would have said, yes, she is probably just simply the best player of all time. People would have looked and said, McEnroe, are you crazy? Serena couldn't beat Yvonne Lendl at his best. Serena couldn't beat Roger Federer. She couldn't beat Rafa Nadal. I mean, that would be silly. So you have to qualify it. You just do. And it bring, and, and Greg, a previous caller, said, what if the UConn women played the Kentucky men? What would the point spread be? What a silly conversation to have. Now, I'm not taking a run at Greg. The question gets asked by lots of people. You know, they try to figure out the way. What would happen with a state high school basketball champion if they played the UConn women's national championship team? Why do we engage in that conversation? Why is that a conversation? The UConn women's basketball team is the best college women's basketball team in America, except for this, this last year when they lost in the title game. But I've been mean, talking over the last 10 years. They're simply the best women's college basketball program in America. They're not the best college basketball program in America because that would argue that they're the best team in America, and they're not. They've been the best women's program qualified. Got to qualify. And that doesn't, that's not meant to take anything away. So I just thought that this whole McEnroe deal was made into a deal because of the NPR radio host that wrongly made it a conversation. All right. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I probably spent a little bit more time than I anticipated on it. But it's something that bugged me because it's been discussed all day. And McEnroe was the center of the storm. Now, he's been in the center of the storm throughout his entire life. But in this case, he said and did nothing, nothing wrong. McEnroe said and did nothing wrong.
and made it out to be that that conversation was a centerpiece of a national conversation today, and it didn't deserve to be. Meanwhile, the Brewers get a day off, and they still lead the National League Central, and they lead it by a game and a half over the Chicago Cubs. And the conversation and the narrative continues on whether the Brewers can hold. And every time the conversation turns to whether the Brewers can hold, they just hold. Stay where they are, four games above 500-ish. Game, game and a half lead, two-game lead, two-and-a-half game lead. That's where they've been. It's where they are. I don't know that they'll continue to be there, but until they don't, I'm happy with who they are, what they are, and I'm not living on, hey, they're going to fail because I, I don't know that they are. I don't know that it's a mediocre division right now. The Cubs aren't the team that they profess to be. It's a mediocre division, and the Brewers are the best of the mediocre so far. And they're above 500, and they've maintained. So they're almost to the halfway point of the season. That's all good stuff. Good for them. Drew Olson will join me in a couple of minutes. Stick around on a Monday. This is the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd with the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get Into the 3 o'clock hour of the program, even though it's not officially 3 o'clock yet. We welcome you into the program. On a Monday, we gave John Audius the day off. I don't know why, but we did. Or maybe he just put in for it. He's not suspended, although I'm sure he's done things to be suspended for. Uh, He's not suspended today. He's just, you know, out. Just not here. But you know who is here uh, at almost 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon? Because he's always here. He's always working. Uh, my uh, co-host, partner, Drew Olson. Hello, Drew. Good afternoon, Mike. What is going on with you? Well, I was just talking about John Audius in the Milwaukee portion of the program, telling people about him ripping the crusts off his peanut butter jelly sandwich at the U.S. Open, a yeah. moment that'll live in infamy. Uncrustables. <laughs> That's his new Delta Tau Kai name, oh, Uncrustable. Yeah, he's an Uncrustable. Um, and sometimes untrustable as well. <laughs> Well, that now, now you you were doing what were you doing about food phobias? Yes, foods that people can't stand and won't eat, and it's kind of like a childlike thing because what John did was so childlike that you know producer Armin won't eat peas. That's oh, like really? a childlike thing. Frozen peas are okay. Canned peas are too soft and mushy, but I get I get the concept. Frozen then, peas are good. Boy, I find a lot of people that don't like tomatoes. See, mushrooms would have made, they would have been first on my list as a food phobia. If there's mushrooms on some, now cream of mushroom soup into a, a, like a chicken and rice kind of a concept, I don't have a problem with that. It's not the taste, specifically. It's the texture. And, but mushrooms would make the top of my food phobia list. Yeah, we had a couple of votes for mushrooms, too. But you have coffee on yours. I do, yeah. 
Um, scarred for life as an eight-year-old That's when I right, went yeah. to fix myself that ice cream, and it was coffee-flavored, not chocolate. I knew that story. Yeah, and well, and I don't like hot beverages much. I don't know. How does anybody... If you're a coffee person, and I know there is iced coffee, but I, I see people going to that steaming hot coffee on a 90-degree morning, and I'm like, what the hell are you yeah, doing? Yeah, And olives. I give my olives away if they're served um, uh, with my Bloody Mary. Uh, I just pull the olives off the stick and put them on the napkin. I don't eat the olives. Me either. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not an olive person. And black olives in a taco dip in small doses I can stand, but green Maybe. olives, not at all. Yeah, but if I could pull that black olive off the, the, the dip, <laughs> uh, the dip is much better. Black That's olives true. overwhelm it, and then I don't like it. That's true. And so we got good responses. People, yeah. uh, um, Center hit tweeted and said he hates onions and can't eat tuna. Well, I'm with him on a tuna, uh, and I like onions with certain things, but... I don't order. I don't get onions on my burger or something. I'll, I'll pull them off, or but, and I never do the fried onions thing. And I'm not a big, huge fan of onion rings, but hmm. they wouldn't make my do not eat list. Yeah, so that's that's what we were kicking All around right. today. Okay. It's it's All that right. kind of week, you know. It's a slow <laughs> sports week. Oh, but I want to get your thoughts on something I was hitting on in the first hour. Oh, we'll baby. get to yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. Jimmy Cuska is in in uh, John's absence now. Jimmy, I'm not sure what you're going to say here, but don't make me go to James with you. Don't yeah, make I me do, do it. it but remember last week when I almost died. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy almost died last week because there were uh, uh, shrimp tacos. Shrimp tacos. And uh, Jimmy would die if the uh, shrimp touched him. If I him. ate one, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's my phobia, but that's a valid one. My, my non-valid one, just because I don't like it, is tuna. So tuna would be my number one on my list. Tuna and shrimp. Tuna and shrimp. Can you do it? Shrimp wow. could kill him. Am I in trouble for that? No? Okay. No, no. Wow. no you're All still right. Jimmy. You're still, everything's good. Right. Still Jimmy for this still hour. Jimmy. Awesome. Um, the, 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 I want an Ian's Pizza Bet. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, yeah. If you want, you can push buttons and we can start the show. This is the Big Three at Three. The top three trending sports stories this hour. Number three. Uh, Drew and Jimmy, if you can play the uh, the McEnroe Exchange on NPR. The NPR host is Lulu Garcia Navarro. The reason I bring her name up is that I think she's the story here. And I want to get Drew's thought on this. Here's the exchange. Best female player ever. No question. Some would say she's the best player in the world. Why qualify it? You mean the best player in the world, period? Yeah, best tennis player in the world. You know, why, why say female player? Well, because if she was a, if she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. Talking about Serena Williams, and I thought McEnroe's comments, uh, although 700, I don't, know what the, I don't know what that number is. I, I don't know what it is, but um, that's not really the point. That's what got focused on. Uh, talking about Serena Williams, if you just played McEnroe's initial cut and then Lulu Garcia Navarro doesn't come back with why qualify, which I thought was egregious on her part, if you just let McEnroe's comment play as it is, that's not a story. It's not a story. It's not a story. He said she's the greatest female tennis player of all time. Now, Drew, if if McEnroe would have said... She's the great. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This tennis player of all time, I would have said, you mean better than Federer? 
You mean better than Nadal? You mean better than McEnroe was? And he said, well, no, best female tennis player. Okay, thank you. When Lulu Garcia Navarro said, why qualify it? Why isn't she just the best tennis player in the world? Drew, because she's not. Right? Well, that's a conversation that needs more depth and nuance. I mean... Has she won more major titles than anybody? Okay, more. Who's the most accomplished tennis player in the world? Yeah, um, good question. I don't know. Well, I, I would think Federer? it's no. I would think Serena. I, mean, I think I mean, Serena. Serena's won more majors and more tournaments. She's the most decorated, accomplished tennis player in the world. But that's not what McEnroe said. McEnroe said Serena Williams is the best female tennis player to ever play the game. And, and then the question is, why qualify? Just, isn't she the best tennis player? And again, relative to who she competes against, maybe that's what she means. I mean, clearly. I mean, if she was going to play Federer or you know, Nadal or somebody, she'd get smoked. Right? right. I mean, and it be, But it became the conversation about the back and forth all focused in on McEnroe and his comments. And what I think what they, what they failed to hit on is that the conversation, uh, if Lulu Garcia doesn't come back and say, don't qualify true. it, why do you qualify it? Yeah, the why qualify it? Well, there's, I remember, there's a no conversation. I, I seem to remember there was a time when Venus and Serena thought they could beat any guy that wasn't like in the top 250 or something like that or the top 200. So even they would know, you know, that, yeah, that, that absolutely. they're not. Like, so. you, you know what I equated it to is, is if um, uh, you pick your – Pick your uh, college basketball analyst. If Jay Billis walked to the microphone and said, the best college basketball team in America is the UConn women's basketball team. Somebody would say, you mean the best women's team? Well, of course I mean the best women's team. And it would be a no issue. Now, have you said the most successful program in all of college basketball is the UConn women's basketball program? He's right. That That's accurate. They are the... They are the most accomplished. They are the best program in all of college basketball. I know it gets into semantics, but that's what Lula Garcia Navarro did. Made this semantics and then made it a controversial comment, and it isn't. Because if I said the UConn women's program is the best college basketball program in America, it means it's the best program. The winningest, most consistent, simply the best program against its competition in all of college basketball. If I and if the person I said it to said, "Why qualify it?" Well, because you have to qualify it. They're not the best college basketball team. They're the best in their program. I mean, they're the best program in, as far as being accomplished, but they're not the best basketball team. And I, that's what I thought Lula Garcia Navarro made the mistake in Drew is she said, "Why qualify it?" Because I'm talking about who the best player that's ever played the game is. And it's a different sport. Women's tennis is a different sport than men's tennis. That's the qualifier. And to ask the, to, for the, the uh, interviewer to, to ask him why he has to qualify it, well, because you uh, have to. I would say, like, okay, is Jackie Joyner Kersey the best sprinter ever? <laughs> well, no, but, Usain Bolt is. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's like you can't. When you cross over like that in, in that sport, there's no need for a qualifier. The times are the times, right? 
Yeah, Although which you is might nine, dominate your sport, but nine point five eight is uh, the the world record for men's one hundred meter. Ten point four nine is the women's yeah. record. It, it needs a, a qualifier. It in, in this case, it does. In tennis, it needs a qualifier. Yes, and and it just needs one. It has to. So I thought I thought that the reporter, the interviewer, Lulu Garcia Navarro, is the one that made that a conversation piece. But you know, people can think on that differently. I I don't think it's, I don't think it's really debatable. Number two. Uh, our number two. Uh, you know, Ian's Pizza. Um, me winning an Ian's Pizza in a bet against you is always uh, going to make oh, our big three at three. Absolutely. Big four at four. And, uh, but it's not really want to talk, what I want to talk about. I mean, it's the same conversation, different day on the Brewers. Uh, they picked themselves off the deck, up off the deck after losing the first two and had a good pitching performance with Zach Davies, and the bats woke up and could have, should have won the Friday game. Atlanta was a great defensive team late in the game. And uh, nonetheless, I, I want to ask you about the vote pickup on uh, off the waiver wire, and uh, the Brewers continue to rework their roster. And in this case, uh, that meant Jet Bandy is going to be sent down, and vote who is an All Star the last two years. Um, was DFA'd by uh, the Oakland A's, and the Brewers make the move. Yeah, it's a low-risk, high-reward move for them. Uh, there's no – you're not really tied to him. He's on a kind of a year-to-year deal. He's, he's making two-point-something million, which means they're on the hook for like a million, a million dollars, which isn't that much to pick up a guy who is going to upgrade. They're catching a left-handed bat. Jet Bandy was two for 40-something and had been struggling defensively. His His struggles at the plate might be creeping into his defense – and he has a minor league option left. I just talked to Tom Hardicourt in the Milwaukee show and said, you know, if Jet Bandy didn't have a minor league option left, do they make this move? He said probably not because they like Jet Bandy enough where they wouldn't want to expose him to waivers to send him to the minors. He probably would have gotten claimed and they'd have lost him. So they probably wouldn't have made the move. They wouldn't have made a trade, Stephen vote for Jet Bandy. But the idea of having both in the organization is a great idea. Coverage for injuries and everything. And Andrew Susak is another guy that they like, but he hasn't. He's been battling injuries and stuff all year. hasn't been able to get on track, so why not? Um, it's a low-risk, high-reward move, and it's bringing a veteran guy in. And if you are going to be playing meaningful games as the season goes on, it'll help to have a, a little bit of an older guy who has a bit of a, that kind of veteran presence. And, it, again, to bring it back, a left-handed bat in a platoon situation and another left-handed bat for late-inning replacements. You know, you make a switch on a right-handed pitcher – in the eighth inning, uh, you can you can do that. Vote gives you options. He's, he's, he's showed power. Uh, he hadn't been hitting this year. That's a bit of the issue. But the Brewers, a low-risk move, as you mentioned. Number one. All right, so this goes back to uh, yesterday's finish of the Travelers Championship, which was one of the greats. I think we have the, uh, the satellite call of the winning shot from Jordan Spieth. Now, his winning shot happens before Daniel Berger gets his chance to extend the playoff to another hole, but this is what it sounded like on the 19th hole when Jordan Spieth won the Travelers. Up onto the putting surface, rolling out towards the hole, and in the bottom! Oh, baby! He throws the sandwich! It's a chest bump with Michael Greller! I can't believe what I just saw! Oh, baby! He holds out for Bernie, and they're on their feet at the Travelers! I listened a lot, uh, Drew, to the Dan Patrick show earlier today, and he said he was waiting for the narrative to come out that that was uh, unprofessional and not 
uh, not allowed. That just doesn't fit in the world of golf. I think Dan was wrong. I don't think that narrative will be written. I don't think anybody uh, in the world of golf, uh, I think some might have said, uh, it's close, I don't know. It's, maybe it's a little egregious, a little too much. But golf needs those moments. It absolutely, they haven't had a moment like that since Tiger stopped competing. That was the best moment golf has had, I might argue, in a half a dozen years or maybe a decade. It was spectacular. I totally agree. Um, I thought it was great, and I was wondering what the narrative would be too, but I do do think we have our filters because my take is that when Joey Bautista flips a bat in exuberance, we have a national crisis on our hands, and it must be addressed, and lo and behold, we all must tusk-tusk and put on our judicial robes and decide whether it was excessive, and no one's saying that about Jordan Spieth. It's like, oh, that was cool. Great. And and I don't I don't hear anybody like sharpening the knives for Jordan Spieth or rooting against him because of that. And I just think it's funny that we have these filters that we look at that we judge athletes and, and reactions through. You're right. Golf needs that. And Jordan Spieth, that's his 10th victory at under the age of 24. That's amazing. And they need that injection of that. Why, why is the Phoenix Open so awesome? Because there's yeah. that exuberance. I, 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 why not? Wake it up. Stir it up. But... Let's not be hypocritical and get mad at guys who do things like in baseball or football and other sports when, you know, we, we like it in one venue and with one guy. Yeah, and I, I suppose the only time where people on one side or the other have been upset is in some Ryder Cup celebrations. Uh, you can go back to, I'm trying to think of the USA long putt. I don't know, this is 15, 16 years ago. Um, and everybody ran out onto the green. It was before Europe had their putt. Um, um, but it, so in those cases, I mean, you have to you have to be there. But last year at the Ryder Cup, these celebrations at Hazeltine on both sides, and a little bit of the jawing that was going back and forth, and the hush, you know, the whispers, and putting the cupping their hand behind their ears. Um, you know, given the hush, you know, the uh, shh deal when somebody would make a big putt. Those were spectacular. It's a different venue. Um, I I just, listen, I, I thought Spieth was extraordinary with the celebration, and I do think it's the best that we've seen in a decade as far as a, uh, a golf celebration. Yeah. They needed yeah. it. And you talk about night and day from the week before, um, you know, Brooks Kepka didn't win by holing out from the bunker. He had already secured the win. No. But his very muted fist pump and half smile after winning the U.S. Open—it's one of the re- one of the things that people don't like about golf. Show some personality. Well, the U.S. Open is not the travelers. I mean, right. if someone—if <laughs> yeah. if you chip in at the U.S. Open, though, you'd probably be even more delirious. And how awesome would that be? That would have taken that highlight up, you know, a hundred times even greater into yeah. one of the greatest things ever. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Um, All right, and then, uh, so when we come back, I want to visit on this. Tonight is the NBA Awards. I know this conversation happens on a regular basis when awards are announced. But do I have a question about how these awards are divvied out? And I want to see what your thoughts are. And it's not a new conversation. It's an old one, but we revisit it next. Back in a moment, this is the Mike Heller Show. Back with you on the Mike Heller Show tonight. The NBA will have their 
season honor show, their award show for the NBA, because you got to fill June the 26th with something. So the NBA taking a bit of a piece and a page out of the NFL um, narrative by doing their award show as a standalone piece after everything else is said and done. The draft last week, the NBA Finals the week before, and tonight there are some interesting awards. Uh, the most improved player, Giannis Adetokounmpo, is up for consideration. I think he'll win it. Um, Rookie of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon, is up for that. I don't think he'll win it, but I think he'll be awfully close. MVP is a done deal, right? It's Russell Westbrook, right, Drew? I mean, that's we think that's done. It would sure seem that way, yeah. I mean, for all the carbon dioxide we created arguing about Westbrook, Harden, and, and Kawhi Leonard, it sure seems like it's Westbrook. So if we were to to redo it, do you, do you like that the, the MVPs in all of our sports, um, and even with the Heisman Trophy, they're all done on regular seasons? Do you like that concept? Would you, at any point, because if we did MVP now, I don't think Russell Westbrook, he would be certainly in the hunt, but it's not a slam dunk he'd win it if you included the postseason. Do you like how it is? Would you always want to keep it this way? Uh, I like how it is, but they should have given out the damn awards earlier. Right. Because you do it now, it doesn't, we have to remember back. The regular season ended 75 days ago. Right. 75 days. What are we doing? That's two and a half months, people. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, and not like they didn't have dead time. Oh, I don't know. In that week between the conference finals and the finals, might have had a show then. Right. And people might have actually paid attention. It might have filled the void of that time, like the Super Bowl hype week that they had in between the conference finals and the finals. I like that it's a regular season award. It's it's a regular season honor. But right now, handing it out on June 26th seems ridiculous. Yeah, the NFL at least does theirs. You know, the NBA trying to take a page from it. They're not really. The NFL does theirs the night before the Super Bowl. And that is, what, less than three weeks after the NFL regular season. The NFL regular season would have ended 20 days prior to that. Yeah. Not 75, 20. So that's the issue, isn't it? Is that we've had two and one half months since somebody played a regular season game. And these are regular season awards coming out now. I just, I, I mean, I get it. I know what they're doing. They're, they're filling a TV night for their network and for their corporate sponsors. And it gives them something to sell. But it seems like, what, this is, they're almost going to training camp, Drew. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, we're closer, we're closer to, to training season. camp than they are uh, exactly. some of these teams playing their last regular season game. Exactly. And that's what's a farce. But that's self-inflicted. It doesn't mean, it doesn't invalidate. Because if you're going to do the MVP, or the, the, isn't the coach of the year always the coach of the championship team? Yeah. So why even bother having it? So I, I don't mind the regular season focus of these awards. I just think it's stupid the way they're handing them out two and a half months after the regular season. Some people would make the argument that uh, why don't you just do the awards based on all games played, including the playoffs, because then every year the NBA champion would almost certainly feature the MVP, Uh, with the exception of maybe the San Antonio years, uh, where they really did it in the mode of a team concept. Otherwise, I mean, this year's vote should have come down, if you included the playoffs, this year's vote would come down to LeBron James and to Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant would likely win it because they won the title. That's how it works. So, 
I guess I'm in lockstep with you on this one. I don't, I don't mind. I like that it's a regular season award, but it shouldn't be 75 days after the regular season ends no, when they announce that, these. Days. That that is complete folly. And uh, you know, this show, this is um, the hockey NHL had a show. Their awards show was on last week from Vegas, and it was also the expansion draft. So they were able to weave those two things in there, and it was a decent program. It moved along pretty well, and tonight Drake is hosting, and it'll get a rating because there's nothing else going on, really. But yeah. it, uh, it's just the debate that we had, who's even fired up about it? If they didn't hand the award out at all, would you notice at this point with nope. Westbrook? Like you'd, be, you'd just move on about your business. Right. The, the, all the oxygen in that debate has been removed. Absolutely, yeah, it, it, it has, and it's uh, so dated, so you know, out of the. We don't care anymore. We, yeah. I mean, simply just don't care. By the way, when I was talking about that big Ryder Cup putt that was made by Justin Leonard, it was 1999 for USA in the Ryder Cup, and the celebration on the green was before Europe had a chance to answer, and that was wrong. Spieth celebration yesterday. Nothing wrong with it. That was a walk-off. <laughs> it was nothing wrong with it, even though Daniel Berger had yet to putt. Berger did get to putt. I had a caller in the first hour that said, what about the caddy Michael Greller when he throws the rake on the green? He threw the rake behind him. It wasn't even close to the It was 30 no. yards from the green. So nothing ever touched the, the putting surface. Uh, Speed throws the wedge back into the bank, uh, the grassy bank of the bunker, and Greller threw the rake, and that also landed behind the bunker on the grass. So they did nothing that would have impacted the putting surface, the line, or anything for Daniel Berger's putt. And, in fact, by the time it got to the point where Daniel Berger, after it had settled down and he could putt, Jordan Spieth was there to quiet the crowd and urging them hands down to quiet. And it was quiet when Berger made his, and Berger almost made the putt which would have ruined one of the great moments oh, yeah. in golf history. Um, and I, I, I have to be honest, I felt a little bit cheated. You know, we're at the the greatest golfing event other than maybe the Masters on this continent in the year, on, you know, in this country at the U.S. Open, and there were no dramatics like that. That dramatic for Jordan Spieth yesterday was a classic. It's the best in a decade easily. And it was it was extraordinary this celebration. And by the way, golfers never get celebrations right. They miss on high fives. They look like accountants trying to celebrate typically. Uh, but that was pretty darn good. That Ryder Cup that you're referencing that was '99. Was that the Brookline one? That was all. That's where everybody started to wring their hands about how uh, demonstrative players were. Is that the one? No, it's not the. It, no, I don't think so. I think Leonard's uh, was not in the same. But Brookline was where it really began to be contentious. There was a lot of booing and jeering, uh, but I don't think that was Leonard's. I think Leonard's kind of started getting the ball rolling in that direction. Um, I could uh, be wrong in that, but I think I think they're okay. separate. Because I, I, I vaguely remember that. But either way, it's something that Cody Bellinger wouldn't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> no, because he's too young. Exactly, and uh, it's it, twenty-one. Is man. that amazing? Uh, yes, absolutely. What is it? he has twenty-four career home runs in fifty-seven games, or twenty-seven? Yeah, like he hit two yesterday. So yeah. Um. Wow. Twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three, twenty-four, something like that. What the heck? I mean, what have you? When you watch and see his highlights, it, it 
natural? Just, I mean, what is that? He sure looks like it. I mean, how do you, I, I don't know, how, how do you explain it? It's, because it's you see pitcher. I mean, the, the league adjusts, right? So when Thames went crazy in April, the, the book adjusted on him. And he's had a few moments since where he has had a couple of hot spells. But the league adjusted to him. And he has, you know, he'll need to continue to respond to adjust back. Why have they not been able to figure something out on Bellinger, or is he just beyond that part of it? I, I don't know, but I watched the home run he hit off Colorado yesterday, or the, the first one, I think. In, it was- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was right down the middle. <laughs> the pitch was right down, right down Broadway, yeah. and he smoked it. So, wow. How did Barry Bonds get all those home runs? You get one pitch to hit in a bat, he's not missing it. He's so he's at Bonds levels. Which is crazy. For it's insane. Yeah. For somebody that six multi homer games? I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. I, I he, think he hits but the thing about him is though, he's hitting change ups and breaking balls too. It's not just fastballs. He's he's hitting everything. Yeah. By the way, um, to correct my correction of your deal, uh Justin Leonard's was at Brookline. Okay, because I, I just remember that being like a tipping point of some sort. Yeah. Because they call it the Battle of Brookline. Right. And uh, so I just called that up, and, and that, that was at Brookline. It was 99. Ben Crenshaw was the captain, and uh, the, the shot, the putt hit by Leonard. It, it resulted in a USA celebration before the match was done, you know, and uh, there were enormous celebrations, and that was Sergio was involved in a couple of them. It was really kind of where it your point. Uh, it was kind of the tipping point with, that started, and it also began to reverse it back to having some level of decorum that um, that didn't exist so much in that Ryder Cup. So, uh, point uh, on that is well taken. Eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy is the phone number. Eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy. We talk NFL. We'll visit with our National Football League insider Don Banks. He will join us when we come back. This is the Mike Heller Show. We're going to have to lock back in at some point on Don Banks' walk-up music. That's on me, not not James Casca, Cuska, or Jimmy. Well, whatever we're going to call him today. Um, Could we choke on that when you two played at Gillette Stadium last night? Oh, uh, yeah. And you two <laughs> is just named to the Camp Randall 100. Yeah. Uh, oh. Sorry, Don. Hey, I was actually at Gillette last night. Watching oh, you were? Games, so I was, yeah. 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 Good show? Uh, I have to be honest, it was the worst U2 show I've seen, and I've probably seen Ooh. him 12 times over the years. I, I, I didn't think they were all... In their A game mode, to be quite honest, it felt a little um, um, scripted. And oh, I, I like the idea of playing the whole Joshua Tree, but it was a tough um, album, I think, in spots to reproduce at a stadium level. And um, I, 
he kind of lost the crowd for a while. Some of the songs on Joshua Tree just I don't think convey to a, a stadium-sized setting, and there were 70,000 people or so there. So to be honest, it wasn't a great U2 show, Is but that, I wasn't there. <laughs> they're your fa- are they your favorite? No, Springsteen's probably number one, but they are they are a solid uh, second slot, and um, I've seen both. I've seen Bruce probably about thirty, thirty-five times, and, so, and U2 uh, is next. As probably Bruce, pushing a dozen. Now, Bruce, Bruce, Drew, how many times have you seen Bruce? Oh, I'm I'm in Don's neighborhood. That subdivision of plus thirty, uh, different incarnation solo shows, and like does the Vote for Change tour count and a- stuff like ever that. Ever walked so, away disappointed that uh, that it didn't live up to to his standards? Uh, no, I, I never have. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've I've seen him in the '80s, the '90s, and the past two decades, and I I don't ever remember having kind of the disappointed feeling I had last night leaving the YouTube show. Boys, I got to tell Patriots. you, I, I feel the same way about James Taylor. Never walked away uh, disappointed <laughs> from any. Of, well, you're laughing, Drew. I'm what? laughing because that's your guy. He is my guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mike. I think that was my first concert ever. I think I saw him in St. Pete, Florida, where I grew up. See? In, um, yeah. Wow. Sometime in the eighties. So, right. Yeah. There you, you know, go. Been around a while. Blanket, right? Yeah. Absolutely. That's, uh, I, that's I, I cut amazing. you off, Drew. Where are you going? I, I was going to say, do the Patriots do a lot of concerts? Because the Packers, of course, have done their fair share. They just had Billy Joel at Lambeau, and teams do that to make money in the in the empty stadium yeah. in the summer. Do the Patriots do a lot of them? They they do yeah. Um, I know they're having Kenny Chesney back, and yeah, he was there last August. Yeah. Uh, we saw Springsteen at Gillette. My friend and I, my best friend and I, uh, last September, um, and they had like Metallica about three weeks ago, and they had Monster Truck. They, oh yeah, Gillette Stadium <laughs> is well used. Um, the uh, let's let's jump into the the uh, NFL conversation. The the contract for Derek Carr. Um, I mean, there's no choice, right? Everybody that's in that mode, Carr um, has. He looks to be on on the next wave of of star quarterbacks. Uh, the contract is warranted, and that it changed the negotiation um, techniques for those who are next. Yeah, I mean, I. I just think that's the way the you know the NFL quarterback position that the bar is always going to go in one direction and you're right I mean he to me he is I don't know if you how deep you go with the NFL elite quarterback ranking but he's right there he's on the ascent um, clearly when the franchise struggles in you know just lost in the desert for as long as the Raiders have been and then they go from seven and nine, um, showing promise in Del Rio's first year to the twelve and four last year. I mean, it, it. We saw how much he meant to that franchise by watching the playoff game at Houston, because he was hurt. He wasn't able to play after breaking his leg um, Christmas Eve day against the Colts at home, and that team went out and got beat by a pretty mediocre Houston Texans team. So, um, I, I think. He set a new bar, but it won't, you know, it, it won't be long before we're talking about the next quarterback up uh, to best at. I don't, I don't know exactly who's next in the queue. Matthew Stafford's down here somewhere pretty, pretty soon. Um, I guess far enough off is Aaron Rodgers. Is Kirk Cousins on that radar to be the highest paid guy? Well, I mean, he's got such a funky situation. I guess it's possible because of the box that the Redskins put themselves in. Uh, by franchising him, um, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to make it worth his while to not just play again um, under a now what 
terribly inflated franchise number. But uh, I don't know if it's going to make average-wise it'll be big enough or long enough to make uh, him the number one. But he's certainly, I guess, the guy that all eyes are now on because July 15th, actually the 17th this year because the 15th falls on a Saturday, I believe. So July 17th is the deadline for being able to sign a franchise player or he has to play under the terms of that deal this year. So Cam Newton, it appears, Don Banks, is uh, is throwing again, e- even uh, ever so lightly after shoulder surgery. Um, is is Carolina poised to return to be a factor in the NFC, or were they? Or was that their shot at the mountaintop two years ago? I think they're going to have a bounce back here. I mean, look, were they? Should they have gone fifteen to one? Was that real? Probably not. But six and ten to me wasn't real either. Um, somewhere, obviously, in the huge gap in between is where I have it. But I do think, I do think they're going to be a playoff contender this year, and might well, you know, make make the field and you know cam is taking baby steps right now it was a relatively late uh surgical procedure it was in march um andrew luck's going through the same thing shoulder surgery in the offseason had it earlier i i'm struck today by looking at how many young quarterbacks Derek carr coming off the broken leg marcus mariota coming off the broken leg Tannehill hurt in week 14 with what looked to be an acl turned into be a pretty bad knee sprain uh, for the Dolphins, another young quarterback playoff team last year. Um, and, of course, you've got uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who we don't really know yet anything about whether he's going to be able to be active in 2017. Some people are optimistic. Other people are saying a long way to go. I saw Twitter mentions of Colin Kaepernick again. Not that anything's new with him, but Tim Tebow's getting promoted by the Mets. <laughs> and people are saying, and yet Colin Kaepernick still can't find work. I guess we're going to use that, uh, yeah, for every um, every you know possible opportunity as a kind of a blueprint comment now. But yeah, there isn't anything new, and I I do agree to an extent. It'd be nice to hear from him, it's, have him spell out exactly, you know, what he wants, what, what he what he you know make your case. I guess I think he's made his case on the field with with his stats last year. Some people seem to need to hear from him, and I don't think it would be a bad idea at this point. Uh, if there's anybody doubting whether he, he wants to be more activist than football player, then, then you know, uh, encourage, <laughs> go right at that topic and dissuade us from that perception. Don, two final thoughts. Uh, both, in some respect, impact the Green Bay Packers. What do you know of the separation and the surprising move in Kansas City last week with Andy Reid extended, that's not surprising, but John Dorsey relieved of his duties. What do you make of that? You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely puzzling. Obviously, the team's had success three out of four years in the playoffs. Dorsey's respected around the league. You, you guys know that from his time with the Packers. It does seem to be, um, and I've been trying to get information on this, but he's not talking. It's been pretty tight-lipped around the league. It does seem to be that management style wasn't a great fit in the eyes of Clark Hunt, um, that he wasn't, I don't know, maybe as buttoned up as as they would have liked. And I kind of heard that even before Dorsey got the job, that he's not going to be a, um, you know, he's not, he's not going to cross every T, dot every I, and be a, a, a control freak, maybe in the Bill Polian style. He's, he, he's more laid back than that. But clearly something was working about that chemistry between him um, and the organization. So it is shocking to see this type of move in June. I do think 
I find it hard to believe this happened without Andy Reid being in, in favor of it. I think if Andy Reid wanted John Dorsey there, um, he'd have pounded the table and stood up and said, "No, this you know, let's keep us together." It tells me that whatever the fit was, it wasn't a great one with Andy. To that end, does it open the door of a transition in Green Bay? We've already talked about that from Ted Thompson to Elliot Wolf or uh, Brian Gutekunst or Russ Ball. But now John Dorsey, who has the proven track record, does that open that potential door, Don? Potentially, Mike, but I guess you want to hear the backstory of what happened in Kansas City, probably, before you go too far down that road. Um, You know, were there just a personality thing or was stylistically just a management uh, issue that wouldn't exist with the current um, hierarchy in Green Bay? I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to speculate knowledgeably until we kind of hear, I think, the backstory of what really went down in Kansas City. But he's going to be on the Packers' radar screen, and, and along with all the names um, that, that you mentioned, uh, but I think it was none other than Bob McGinn who – put him in the in the um, pole position correct yeah in but that was in january uh right and right. I, I don't know how much this changes that so be, i don't either it'll be an i don't know if reputationally this is a hit or if this is a minor setback yeah uh interesting stuff uh, by the way are you then less likely to lay down cash for a ticket the next time you two is in concert uh near you in a stadium setting yes uh in a smaller venue i i, I think i would certainly go back and and um I, I don't, I don't know. I was a little surprised. I didn't think Bono's voice sounded uh, Bono-esque in a stadium situation. It was almost like he was fighting uh, to, to um, you know, sing over the, um, the the instruments. And they sounded great in a way, but the sound was a little murky, too. So it was, I don't know, I, I have to be honest, I, I could have gushed. And, and some people obviously probably walked away doing that, but I... I didn't think it was the strongest show by any stretch. All right. Well, we, we hope he's better. And we hope we're better the next time you come aboard and, and that we give you your walk-up music <laughs> as instructed yeah. when we begin our conversation. I, I expect nothing less so well, at this point. I have, I have some status and, and uh, <laughs> yes, a, little you bit do. Of, you know, well, a little bit of experience at this Mike Keller show stuff. <laughs> today it's walk-up music, and Don will look forward to the next time. Take care, guys. Thanks, Don. Don Banks is our NFL insider. And that, you know, it's not, I can't, I would have put it on John Audius, but he wasn't here. So You can I, blame him anyway. I'm going to blame John for not being here. Because if John were here, yes. he likely would have screwed that up anyway, but. Eh, good chance, yeah. Yeah, there's a fair chance that he wouldn't have gotten that right. Uh, so, what's your next closest, Drew, in concerts attended for an individual band after, if if Bruce is in the 30 in the three dozen 30s. range. Oh, yeah. Um, who's uh, next? Is there a oh, next? Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I'll be seeing them twice at Summerfest uh, coming up in the next week or so. What do you so. mean twice? <laughs> Plays two nights. I'll be seeing him with Chris Stapleton twice. So you're, you're going to see him both nights? Yes. My college roommate and, and uh, BFF is a uh, big-time Petty fan. So we go to... A lot of shows. I've been. I've seen Petty probably as much, if not more, than Bruce. Really? Yeah. Over the years. Huh. Well, that's. And you. Li- you don't like him as much as Bruce, but no, you know, I, just... I like him a lot. I just uh, as a live performer, to me, if you've never seen Tom Petty, you'll be blown away. He plays the hits, and it'll be great. I've seen him a bunch of times, and I think they leave a lot on the table. They 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 play it one set list on the first night of the tour, and then the same thing every night the rest of the tour. So I can just look and say, oh, so I know what's coming. Yeah. 
And it, there's no spontaneity whatsoever with Tom. He's really? a very cool vibe, though. He's your stoner grandpa. <laughs> He's like this really, it's just, it's fun. And musically, second, the music is laser pure. It's so good. But uh, that's why I like to see on back-to-back nights, maybe they'll throw us a curveball and change the set list by a song. But uh, I don't have high hopes. Otherwise, the only change will be the weather. Yeah, probably. All right. Uh, well, good stuff. I've seen uh, I've seen Chesney now three times, but two of them was when my daughter was working for him. So uh, that otherwise well, that's an extra layer there. That's, yeah, you know, backstage uh, access, all that. Yeah. Otherwise, the the band who I most like to see and have seen multiple times is the Zac Brown Band, uh, and, and I I love uh-huh. going to Zac Brown Band shows, um, but I don't have any on the dock, and it's not that I can't get to them because they're. They're close by. I can't get to him. I just it's not in my in my planner right now. But he's he would be next. Uh Zach Brown band as far as uh, concerts I like to go to. Uh coming up in the four o'clock hour, we'll visit a little bit more on the Brewers change as they have uh opted to make a move on their roster again, their positioning, and also John McEnroe's comments and why I'm not bothered at all by his comments, but more by the interviewer. We'll get to that. Stick around. Back in a couple of minutes on The Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get Hey, welcome into the 4 o'clock hour of the Mike Heller Show on this beautiful Monday afternoon. A little cool for an early April day. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to warm up. Summer uh, comes back just in time uh, for the 4th of July long holiday weekend this coming weekend and uh, into next week. So we welcome you in and uh, happy to be here on a Monday afternoon, the first week in, uh, in a while that we are not on location. So... In and just doing what we're supposed to do. Welcome aboard. I'm Mike Heller. That's Drew Olson over there. Hey, Drew. Yes, Summerfest is approaching, and I'll be there uh, starting Wednesday. Oh, yeah. So this on-location, this uh, summer of on-location, it will continue. Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow will be good, and then Wednesday we hit the road. Yeah. John Audius will be back in tomorrow. He is on location today on a golf course, just uh, enjoying himself. A little downtime, I would say, well-deserved, and then say not usually. But in this case, it is. He's he's worked pretty hard. He deserved a day. So uh, happy he's getting that. Jimmy Cuska works hard, uh, but he's here. Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> it's the first time anybody's ever said that. Hey, Mike. It is hey, not Drew. the first time. Hello, well, James. I didn't mean it. There's that James again. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in trouble this hour, I guess. <laughs> um, Drew, when you're in trouble, is uh, does does Drew go to Andrew? Andrew or Yeah. Andy. Yeah. Andrew. <laughs> give me that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Any, much. Anybody go Andy? Um, uh, old-timey friends from the way back, Yeah, maybe. Relatives way uh, back. But if People there's that some... knew me when I was, before I was 10. Yeah. 12. But if there's something wrong, uh, it's, it's, it can be an Andrew. Yeah, pretty much. By the way, I, uh, I played around a round of golf yesterday in a, in a match that I was involved in, 
And uh, and I've done this pretty much my whole life. When I screw something up, I will use my own name in vain. And it's usually Michael. Or I might just go last name Heller. But <laughs> I out loud will chastise myself using my full name, uh, on uh, whether it's on a racquetball court or tennis or uh, whatever, golf. Certainly yesterday had those moments. Um, we can actually take this time to tell you that the Brewers are off tonight. They are in first place. We'll get to that in a moment. And we'll actually have uh, Jimmy push buttons and start the show. This is the Big Four at four. The top four trending sports stories this hour. Number four. Uh, our number four in the Big Four at four, and this is about Jordan Spieth. The celebration that was he and Michael Greller when he holed out from the bunker on the first play of sudden death in the Travelers Championship yesterday. Uh, Daniel Berger's on the golf course waiting to hit his putt that could send it to an extra, another extra hole. I don't know. I would say some disapproved of how Spieth celebrated. I've yet to hear anybody disapprove of it. It was uh, something that golf needs, Drew, and I thought it was spectacular. I agree. Um, It's spontaneous and spectacular. Golf needs excitement. It needs an injection. It needs youth. There's no Tiger, no Phil. There's a changing of the guard. And I don't know. We saw a lot of people walking around at the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. What would you say the average age of people you encountered was, Mike? Um, Older than me. Uh, Yeah. Above 50. Exactly. Yeah. And I've I've been saying for a while, equipment sales are down. Maybe it's because they're making equipment better or people just don't have that Jones to get the latest new driver or something. And courses, we've had a five-year period where more courses are closing than opening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it's um, just a sport. I guess Top Golf is trying to put the paddles to it, but golf is a sport that needs to get younger and get younger people interested. It's never going to go away, but it, it it needs that. It needs some excitement. Maybe having guys have to make putts with people cheering and stuff would add a little to that. Well, it just needs a transcendent superstar, like all sports do. Very few sports don't need a transcendent superstar in their game. Golf needs one. Tiger was trans- transcendent American superstar. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, Got to add that, that caveat. Yeah, that fits. Yeah. Um, McElroy, if he played a full PGA Tour schedule and won and showed some of the personality we've seen from him, um, would go a long way. But I agree with you. And I don't know if Spieth is that guy. We kind of thought he was. And then he is pulled back a little bit. However, I'll say this about Jordan Spieth. He is this, he's only the second golfer to win 10 PGA Tour events before his 24th birthday. The first is Tiger Woods. The next one to do it is Jordan Spieth. Uh, what we have missed is a little bit of the majors' success. And he's not, not that he hasn't won majors, but... You know, he wasn't really in contention at the U.S. Open, and uh, he wasn't there when it was all said and done at the Masters this year. So, um, you know, and that's the way golf works. 
But I, I loved yesterday. I thought it was – I watched it over and over again. I thought it was spectacular. Anybody critical of it I think is kind of missing the point. But that's to their own prerogative. Let's go. Number three. Number three, the Brewers made a roster move. Now they um, – they send Jet Bandy uh, back to AAA. They did have a roster move. He had an, an, another option available to him. They go with Stephen Vogt, uh, former All-Star with the uh, Oakland A's that was available. Drew, do you like it? And what's, what's the genesis behind this? I like that move. It's a um, not so much a, a dismissal or an indictment of Jet Bandy. He's been struggling. He's got a minor league option left. They were able to make this move. They take on a million dollars in salary. And it's very low risk. It's low risk, high reward. Um, a left-handed bat adds to their depth. I think that everything about this is pretty positive. It's the kind of move that I think a lot of teams would um, might end up kicking themselves. If this change of scenery works for vote, it, it, they might end up kicking, kicking themselves for not picking him up. So uh, it's the kind of, I don't want to say a, a dumpster die, but it's a waiver claim that the Brewers, that's the kind of things that the Brewers should be doing. Yeah, and and it seems to be uh, they've really kind of decided to, to hitch their wagon to what is being done by Manny Pena, and deservedly so. He has been an outstanding defensive catcher. His bat has been better than advertised, so he's going to get the lion's share of the playing time, and he has recently. And it's not just because Bandy had tailed off; it's because you don't take a, a bat and a defensive catcher out of the lineup, and Pena has been both. Yeah, and he's thirty, and that's um, you know, and, and votes thirty-two. So you'd like ideally somebody in Bandy's younger, Andrew Susak's still there. It adds to the depth. There's just really not much downside I see to this. Before this we move. before we roll forward, uh, did when you were talking to Tom Hardicourt on the Milwaukee portion of the show on the Drew Olson show earlier, uh, updates Braun and VR and what they've gotten out of them in the rehab assignments. Yeah, Braun homered yesterday. Looks like they'll both be back. Um, in fact, they already announced the Brinson move. I don't know what they're going to do with VR yet. And the question is, will VR supplant Eric Sogard, who's been nicknamed Babe Sogard because of the way that he's been performing? Yeah, right. uh, I think VR might come back in a bench role. But the question is, do they get rid of a position player like a Nick Franklin or do they get rid of uh, a Paulo Espino or do they get rid of uh, you know, a Brent Suter to make room for VR? That's the only question going into tomorrow. Number two. Uh, this is a quick question and answer. How did it feel to lose the Ian's Pizza bet to me? Uh, better than losing to John. <laughs> so, yes, uh, that was redemption there. Uh, we had made uh, another in a long run of when do the Brewers falter uh, Ian's Pizza bets in this case. Uh, would they emerge from the weekend in first place? They lost two out of three in Atlanta, but the Cubs uh, didn't take full advantage of their time in Miami. I think they split that four-gamer, didn't they? And uh, that leaves the Brewers still a game and a half clear of the Cubs, who are now in Washington. The Brewers have today off and on the road in Cincinnati tomorrow. So the Brewers continue to kind of hold their own ground. I mean, that's really the definition here. They've been anywhere between two and five games over five hundred for the last two weeks, but nobody makes a move. The, the Cubs, who we all still expect to have that run up, and and to go win 12 of 15 or 15 of 20, they just simply haven't done it. No, the Cubs haven't gone on that run. The Brewers are where they were, where they started the weekend. But the interesting thing is people, you like looking at the standings and everything. One piece of the standings to look at is that uh, the wild card race, the Brewers would be six games back. 
right now. Yeah, I mean, in order so to be a playoff team out of the National League, anywhere out of the National League, you better win your division because the West is going to own yeah. the wild card. So it's uh, central title or bust, basically. Yeah, and in the East as well, essentially, is how that kind of breaks out. Number one. So this is uh, the conversation between John McEnroe appearing on NPR, National Public Radio, with the host Lulu Garcia Navarro. And McEnroe begins, I want you to hear it, he begins in describing his belief of how great Serena Williams is. This is McEnroe to begin. The host is Lulu Garcia Navarro. Listen in. That was fun. That was, I don't, I don't know how many. Best female player ever, no question. Some would say she's the best player in the world. Why qualify it? You mean the best player in the world, period? Yeah, best tennis player in the world. You know, why, why say female player? Well, because if she was a, if she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. So what really got focused in on the McEnroe interview was the last portion, where he said if she were on the men's circuit, she would be ranked like number one, like number 700 in the world. That was the takeaway for many media outlets. And I don't think it's the takeaway. It's not what was intended. It's not the conversation. When pressed on why qualify it, uh, I think McEnroe was trying to make the point to the interviewer, Lulu Garcia Navarro of NPR, that you have to qualify this. There's no way to get around it. If you're going to say that Jackie Joyner-Kersey is the most outstanding sprinter ever, you'd have to say most outstanding women's sprinter ever. It's it, it's a simple, it's not a complicated deal. But when pressed on it, why do you have to qualify it? I think he made his point, is that we're talking about two different sports here. And, and some people don't like it when they hear that, but it is. It's like, it, it would be akin to saying, are the UConn women's basketball team, is that the best basketball team in all of college basketball? No, the best women's team of all in all of college basketball. Now they might have compiled the most celeb might have they have compiled the most celebrated and awarded program in all of college basketball, regardless of of division and gender. But to say that, you know, when when the interviewer asked McEnroe, why do you have to qualify it? Isn't she just the best player? If you said it and just said she's the best player, then somebody's going to say, well, wait, is it better than Nadal? No, I don't mean best player like she would beat Nadal. She's had the most success. Okay, I can't argue with that. He just filled in the blank when she said, why qualify it? Yeah, and he could have qualified. I mean, I, I did some research during the break, believe it or not. Serena Wait, Williams has 23 major titles. Margaret Court has 24. Right. Like, no men. The men's leader is uh, Federer with 18. Right. So... The best in terms of that. She's second best woman in terms of the titles one. But on what measure is she saying? Why not greatest tennis player ever? Because she's clearly not. And we're not talking about the winningest. You know, that's a statistic, right? And that's quantifiable by a number. But when you say best or most dominant. In relation to the competition. Yeah, you want to say most dominant? Okay, we can have that discussion. Yes. But But even that's qualified. Most dominant on the women's side. But there is, you know, when when the interviewer wants him to uh, to engage in the conversation of why do you have to qualify it, because it deserves a qualification. There, it, we're we're not talking about the same sport, you know. Uh, th- that's why the numbers are always different. 
You know, Dustin Johnson average, uh, he is the leader on the PGA Tour in driving distance, 312. The leader on the women's tour, on the LPGA Tour, is 280. We're talking about a different sport. It's the same sport, but it's a different level of the sport. The gender makes it different, not worse. I mean, Serena Williams is the best female tennis player in the world today, and maybe, what McEnroe is saying, the greatest of all time. There's nothing wrong with the qualification that McEnroe uses that says, no, she's the best women's tennis player of all time. And I thought the interviewer took some umbrage with that. That's why she asks him, why do you have to qualify? Because a a qualification is deserved. Exactly. So I thought that was the takeaway from it. And. All of the headlines, I get it. I understand why, you know, what, what the web does and, and, you know, what headlines would do in a newspaper. They're trying to sell the paper. They're trying to, it's clickbait. That's why they headline it with uh, McEnroe being the headline on what he said. But the, it the really key question what is, he said. The key question to me is if they played today, could McEnroe beat Serena? Yeah, and that's uh, the Battle you know, of the, the sexes. Bobby Riggs, Billie Jean yeah. King argument from all those years ago. Riggs was what in his sixties when he think, was yeah, he seventy yeah, when he played up there. Yeah, yeah, well, sixty. Yeah, it might have been sixty three, sixty four. Yeah, and so and then they changed the rules, right? Didn't he allow that that um, that Billie Jean King could uh, serve to the doubles lines or the doubles lines were yeah. in and out? So they. They just and it was a made-for-TV event back in the day when there weren't as many made-for-TV events. Um, yeah, so like sold out the Astrodome, didn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was big, you know. And but it's it's a different deal, and I, I think we do a disservice to uh, female athletes and to women's basketball and to women's tennis or uh, women's soccer when we compare them um, on the same level as their male counterparts. I think that's a disservice because we're not talking about apples and apples here, you know? So every time we get into that part of the conversation, I get bugged by people who are offended, and it sounded like the interviewer was offended that McEnroe put a qualification there. And stop it. There is a qualification. And, you know, I said it earlier. It's like saying um, that Whitewater College football for the last number of years when they were winning consecutive NCAA Division Three titles, was the best college football team in the land. Well, they weren't. They were the best Division Three college football team in the land. A qualification is deserved. Now, I could have said that in that five- or ten-year window, the most celebrated, rewarded, honored program in all of college football was Whitewater because they would have. They would have won more titles in that ten-year span than Alabama or Clemson or any of the Division One teams. But when I say they were the best, that would be a little disingenuous. It would be misleading. So a qualifier is appropriate. That's the point. If you want to weigh in on that, you can. 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Plus, when we come back, awards coming out tonight in the NBA, 75 days after the regular season ended. Hello, but Milwaukee Bucks could be at the center. We'll talk more about that in a moment. This is the Mike Heller Show.
Back with you on the Monday edition of the Mike Heller Show. Brewers have the day off in Cincinnati, moving from Atlanta to Cincinnati. How would that off day work, Drew, if you were on the travel schedule on the beat and you were in Atlanta for a day game yesterday, would you have made your way to Cincinnati last night? Or I'd would have you... come home in between, probably. Oh, really? <laughs> to. Oh, yeah. Huh? I would have tried that. Otherwise, um, try to line up a golf game today. Or Cincinnati is not one of my favorite cities. I would have had some Skyline Chili and then probably uh, you know, just worked on an off-day story and just slept or Netflixed or something like that. Right, because Hardcourt did the Atlanta series. He traveled there, but he's not going to Cincinnati. So um, they right. just figure that we, thing we out. We would split those yeah. up, especially with a day off in between. Because uh, why would you want to spend a day off on the road? Correct. Yeah. Unless it's a really cool town and you got people. So if you're going from San Diego to San Francisco, you'd have gone to San Francisco. Oh hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Or stop somewhere and like enjoy a day in L.A. Or, sure, yeah, you know, just, yeah. We've done something cool, but yeah, that the Cincinnati trip, especially when it's in the division, you're. I, I imagine the Brewers aren't doing anything too exotic today. So uh, just because it interests me, I don't know if it interests somebody listening right now, but if you were if you're on the beat and covering the Brewers in Los Angeles against the Dodgers and they have a day off after a Sunday game in L.A. going up the coast to San Francisco, do you just rent a car and uh, and kind of journey your way up there at your leisure? Depended on the price and the traffic, I probably would have flown just to get to San Francisco quicker, because I really like San Francisco, too. In fact, I like San Francisco more than L.A. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't blame you. But, it's a little uh, colder in the summer. you got to dress warmer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And San Francisco is one of those towns, a little bit like Milwaukee, where uh, you can walk 10 blocks and lose, like, 20 degrees. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'll be out there later this week, and I know that in uh, Sonoma or up you know, inland a little bit, 85 and sunny every day. Uh, and the forecast Bayside in San Francisco is 65 and cloudy. Yep. So 20, 20 to 23, 24 degrees difference in the forecast, and it's uh, an hour drive between one and the other. So mm. it's what it is. Uh, well, that wasn't where I was intending to, to go here. I didn't want to know about your previous travel schedule, but I know that the Brewers have the day off, and they're in Cincinnati beginning tomorrow night with a series against the Reds, but they have done some roster maneuvering, and I, I think that's interesting, and there are more to come because Braun and VR are both going to be active. So, um, you know, uh, and I want to get to the NBA awards here in a moment, but what's your anticipation? I know that we posed the question, you know, are they going to do a Nick Franklin deal or will they adjust the uh, the bullpen uh, with any of the bodies out there, what's your anticipation? What's your belief as both Braun and VR likely to come off the DL? I think they'll move a pitcher. I don't think they want to. I think they like uh, what Franklin brings and his versatility. So I, I would think that they would move. Maybe Brent Suter's gone back and forth. But Suter or Espino would go. Would be my guy to to head back to Colorado Springs. Yeah, I would. I would think before they get underway in Cincinnati, obviously, we're going to see uh, another move made. The Brinson move uh, clears one of the spots. They have to make one more on on the moves that will come uh, yet tomorrow, you would think. Uh, NBA awards, they get announced tonight. What's the issue? Uh, The NBA tried to strike a little bit of an extra deal in a downtime to fill a late June night with something from an NBA perspective worth watching. Uh, Is that the right thing to do? 
It's a good idea. If it makes money and if it gets ratings, it's a good idea. The timing, I don't like. I wish it would have been much, much sooner. But I, it's and, – and Drake is hosting. And how does he do tonight? How watchable is he? Um, Bruno Mars hosted the BET Awards and got um, – he got some blowback. So that'll be an interesting aspect of it too. Yeah. Um, and – from a most improved player standpoint, I mean, Giannis is going to take home that hardware, right? Giannis is going to, yeah, he's going to win. He'll probably be in Greece. I, I don't think, yeah, these are voted on. The top six awards are voted on by the panel, and they've been known for a long time. Then there's some fan awards, right? Like best Correct. dunk and best style yeah. and yeah. things like yeah. that. Yeah. So I think Giannis is overseas and probably won't be there because I, I know a lot of awards shows where the people who show up are the people who win. Isn't that well, convenient? I wonder how that happens. Hmm, I wonder, yeah, it's just a stark coincidence. But uh, when you have this award or these awards, I mean, oh, it's great. You know, Malcolm Brogdon and Giannis will get. I think they're going to get. Uh, they're going to get recognized tonight, and that's fantastic for the Bucks. And it's it, it makes it there'd be interest here without those two guys on the docket and finalists for the awards. I don't know that a lot of people in Milwaukee would watch. Yeah, and uh, you get it. And we also kind of know that Russell Westbrook will win the MVP based on the triple-double average for the season. Um, There will always be the question asked in moments like these, why isn't it an award for the entire season, not just the regular season? But I've never had an issue with that, not even now, even though I don't particularly love uh, Westbrook winning the honor because I don't know how you measure that value in particular, not just by numbers. Uh, but I've never had an issue with it being a regular season award. No. Otherwise, I mean, what else is there in the NBA regular season? Uh, people have been all you know, hopped up on the draft, and when free agency starts at the end of the week, that's the NBA offseason is better than the regular season. So you got to have it count for something. We got The debate that we had about Kawhi Leonard, um, Westbrook, and Harden, that, that gave some, some juice to a, a regular season that otherwise really doesn't have a lot. Yeah, I, and I I totally with that. I I just um, I don't know why it's why it becomes an issue. If you did the whole thing, then you might as well just give it to uh, the guy who is the most dominant in the postseason because he likely had a really good regular season too, and that just takes too many players out of the mix. Uh, the conversation I got a couple of tweets in. Uh, this comes from Jenny, who was a, a college female athlete. So that's what she she tweeted in on the McEnroe thing. She said, much ado about nothing with McEnroe comments. Women women are genetically weaker and slower. Just fact. Comparison isn't fair. That's all she's doing is saying, for those people that want to compare head-to-head, it's not fair. They're two different deals. And- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I, I, I think that the comment that she puts in there that women are genetically weaker or slower always gets met with opposition because it just doesn't sound good, right? But yeah. the numbers would bear it out. Uh, the 
And, and, and this is a, it's a dumb argument. But nonetheless, in, in golf, the driving distance leader is Dustin Johnson on the men's tour at 312 yards. That is 32 yards longer on average, which is almost three clubs than Joanna Clatton, who leads the women's tour. And Lexi Thompson, is she drives it at 277, which is number three on the LPGA, which would rank 190th on the PGA. In tennis, the fastest serve, Sam Growth, 163 miles per hour. John Isner, 157. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Isn't that crazy? Some gas. Yeah, John Isner, 157. The women's uh, tennis tour leader is Sabine Lisicki at 131. Serena Williams at 128. That is 32 miles an hour, uh, Lisicki. 32 miles an hour slower than Growth. And uh, 26 miles an hour slower than Isner. The uh, If you wanted to take it to swimming... Uh, men's freestyle 100-meter all-time record, 46.91. Women's, 52.06. That's a six-second gap. Four by 100, there's a 22-second gap. 800-meter freestyle, there's a 32-second gap between that's the men's all, record and the women's forever record. forever. So it's just like the that. point. It's not to say, hey, it's inferior. It's different. They're two different sports. And the most dominant female swimmer is the most dominant female swimmer she's the best on the planet as a female swimmer not the best on the planet there's a difference and every time you want to make the comparison it's a mistake it's a mistake we're different and uh and i i get it and i was you know don't we every now and then kind of run into the the question we're going to ever see a women's player play in the nba or a women's, uh, you know, player in the NFL or Major League Baseball, and I have, you know, McEnroe answered the question. Maybe at some point, but I've never seen it in any other sport, so I don't know why it would happen in tennis. But not going to rule it out. It's possible, and I do suppose that question. The answer is yes, possibly, but I don't see anybody close. I mean, it's not close in any of the sports that we talk about. So. Um, I don't know. You know, shoot, Annika Sorenstam was the best uh, female golfer for a long, long time. They did that skins game, and they brought her in on the skins game. And you would think, uh, well, but they they had her hit from forward tees, and she still wasn't a big factor in it. Um, You know, it's just, it's different. When we try to put them on the same stage just for comparison's sake, uh, I think it's a mistake when, when it happens or it's talked about. The only sports you could do that would be the subjective ones, diving and figure skating, right? Sure, yeah. That's it. Right, but even, you know, even in, like, the figure skating, the men uh, get... Triple, yeah, like, they yeah, get a little bit more airborne. Yeah, and they get more. more air. There's more power involved in it, but, so they, could, they have more opportunity to perform aerial moves than the female skaters. I don't know. I just, it just... It seems silly every time we have the conversation, yeah. every time the conversation is... Well, well, John McEnroe didn't do it. Is anybody mad at him? No, it's just that it's it, just what that it did is it, it, it was clickbait over the last 24 hours because yeah. it uh, just like headlines in newspapers, it was just the seller. And he's it, not running down Serena Williams. No. In any way. Gosh, no. I mean, and, well, any, and, and I really honest, to be fair about it, I haven't heard other people say that he is. 
Uh, but it did end up being uh, headline clickbait to get you to click on the storyline. The very next quote he had was saying he's in no way disrespecting Serena. Oh, Williams, shoot. So, it's yeah. just, it's Absolutely a, not. It's a simple deal. Uh, 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Uh, more conversation about the weekend that was best and worst. We'll come back in a moment. This is The Mike Heller Show. Back with you on a Monday afternoon, rolling through a uh, a cool September day here in late June. Mike Heller, Drew Olson, and Mike Pilch now stepping in. Hello, Mr. Pilch. Doesn't it feel like there's high school football later tonight? Yeah, there should be. I mean, it's, it, it has felt like that all weekend long, as <laughs> oh, though there man. was um, low clouds and windy and cold and a little bit rainy. Yeah, I just walked out about five minutes ago. I couldn't believe how cold it was. Windy and everything. 67 days to the college football season with Badger football. We'll talk with Jeff Patrikas tomorrow, but uh, I've said this before, Drew. I don't like the countdowns. Like Mike Lucas has a countdown tweet every day. And, you know, sometimes I'll miss it for a couple of days and then I'll go, you know, I'll jump from 71 down to 67. Wow, 60. The number just, I like the countdowns on my way to vacation. <laughs> yeah. And and I do. I love football. Oh, yeah. I love football season, but I don't wish it to be here because I really enjoy summer. So I don't. I don't like. Hey, I can't wait till football. I can't. I mean, I do like that competitive sport. I love it, but I can always wait for it. Yeah, at the expense of good weather. No, we're we're reaching. This is the microwave portion of the summer. June, the month of June. We're almost done. And you blink and you miss it. Right. What was so great about June? What happened in June that was so great? Well, we did have the U.S. Open here. Yeah, we had the U.S. Open and the Amphan Championship in back-to-back weeks. From a golf perspective, it was really spectacular. But I also have to be selfish about this side of it. In working those two events, there was little time to play. And that's this is that time of year. Yeah. We, we get a limited golf season, well, and two weeks were kind of taken away because I was at a golf course without clubs. Well, it's like you blink and you're at the all-star break in baseball. And then you're like, oh, pretty soon it's going to be back-to-school stuff's going to be for sale. And it's like, no, what happened? Oh, just wait till you see that first back-to-school commercial because it's it's about a week away. Oh, there we, are probably we, stores putting up Christmas yeah, displays. We we get through 4th of July, and as soon as the, the 4th of July, the sparklers are put out and collected from the yard, uh, the next day is when you see back-to-school ads. And we're at 4th of July next week, a week from tomorrow. That's right. And the week after that, uh, where was I going with it? The week after that, we have the All-Star break in baseball. Yep. And the week after that, uh, I think people start reporting to NFL training Uh, Yep, exactly. Not quite, but it's 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 crazy. It's close enough to be on your mind at that point. Yeah, it's crazy how fast it goes. I mean, in in Milwaukee, Summerfest dominates for its 11-day run and... Uh, and the Brewers are home during that time, too, in and out of the break. So, man, it's just this is going to go like a shot. By the time you get to State Fair in early August, it's like, man, well, it's fall's here. Yeah. Summer's over. Yeah, and, and Summerfest gets underway Thursday? Wednesday. 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 Wednesday so we're yeah. two days away from that. Um, so, And then I have to um, tip my cap and give a shout-out to the, the folks at AmFam with the AmFam Championship at University Ridge. Wisconsin is is great to to be a regular tour type host. Um, 
and I know that Drew, I heard you talking with Chuck Garbedian. Uh, I know that you loved the Greater Milwaukee Open, and it was it, you, even though it went head to head too often with the British Open, which kept the field down. Um, a Champions Tour event that's a regular stop here will be nothing but successful, uh, especially because uh, it's got Stricker's name on it, and he's so popular that the field will be well populated. But the other thing that they do exceptionally well is that celebrity foursome that goes off on Saturday afternoon is a huge fan favorite. And they've got a lot of big names that they can draw from. We haven't seen J.J. Watt in the deal, but J.J. Watt is an AmFam ambassador. He's a celebrity in their company, and I would think he would be on that short list to be here soon. So is Kevin Durant. I don't know if Durant is as big a draw in the moment, and I also don't know what Durant's golf history is. But with Derek Jeter and Favre and Darius Rucker there last weekend to join two-time U.S. Open winner Andy North, it's a big hit. It's a big hit. Huge. And I, I saw a note today in the Journal Sentinel that uh, there's a chance they may alternate Milwaukee and Madison and that the guys wouldn't mind playing at Brown Deer again, going back to where they were. And look at the, look at the names. I mean, we were at the U.S. Open, so the best players in the world, though they didn't make it through the weekend— they were there, right. other yeah. than Tiger yeah. and Phil. But these names, you could argue there's more recognizable names on the leaderboard at that at the AmFam event than there were at the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah, shoot. If Freddie Couples wins it, if Freddie Couples is healthy enough, he will be back to defend. He and Steve are friends. He's his assistant oh, captain yeah. on the President's Cup team. Um, he would be back to defend his title next year if health allows him. Uh, he always has back issues. But to have Couples there... And to have Steve Stricker in the hunt and the names that were on that board, that was better than, as far as name recognition, than the final day leaderboard at the U.S. Open. And, yeah, that's that's huge. Those names are more recognizable, uh, and the golf audience is older, so that's it's not like the people are going to forget who they, these guys are. And having Stricker and Jerry Kelly around to compete in it for a number of years at a high level, at a good clip, is it's just it's it's guaranteed success. They're a fantastic yeah. job by them. Yeah, it's pretty good. And the concert uh, that coincided on Friday night was uh, was spectacular. And they do private events at Monona Terrace, and and then the uh, the end of the day benefactor is that golf does more to raise money for children's charities or the charity of choice uh, in these scenarios than any of the other sports. Uh, from and it's just well, I think last year it was 1.2 million in the weekend. Uh, my guess is maybe it was even a bit more this time. Uh, but regardless, those are great moments uh, and great. Uh, and it was a great event. It was fun to be out there. And the AmFam people are, are uh, spectacular about it. University Ridge, one of my favorite golf courses uh, of all time here. And uh, so it was a it was a good weekend. I know that John was out there yesterday. I was out there all day Saturday, uh, sending back updates and Friday as well. And uh, golf course spectacular. The they did they did a really good job under less than perfect weather conditions. Uh, there was no during the day rain, but again a pretty good uh, work of rain overnight uh, before Sunday and uh, fun fun times. Two two weekends in a row that we had spectacular golf in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, now, I also know that uh, John's boy, Tim Tebow, got promoted. What does that mean, Drew? What's going on with Tim Tebow now up to high class A? Oh, they want to sell tickets and <laughs> sell new merch. His uh, his cachet, maybe his, his run out at low A, I have no idea. I mean, he's 
he doesn't look like his numbers are, you know, blowing anybody away there. Um, just, other than maybe wanting to sell tickets in, in Port St. Lucie or West Palm or wherever they play, um, wherever their their high A affiliate is, right. I I don't see I don't see the reason for it. And by the way, I didn't mean to. Uh, for those wondering, I didn't mean to ignore the Amon Green story. There's a little bit more information coming in on it now. Former Pack, I'll just read this one uh, that just came out. Former Packers running back Amon Green charged Monday with felony child abuse after his 15-year-old daughter told police that he punched her in the face. Online records show Green was booked into jail Monday, charged with child abuse, intentionally causing harm, and disorderly conduct for an incident that occurred on Sunday. He's due in court on July the 11th. I just, I guess I don't know what to say about it other than that it's in our updates and we bring attention to what's going on as far as what we know. And I, I don't think this is warranted for a whole lot of commentary right now. We'll just let the story as it is speak for itself. To go deeper into the conversation right now I think is not the most yeah. responsible thing that we can do. Yeah, that's the best way to handle it. The, the the impulse is to start teeing it up and oh how are but you don't know and we've learned, you know, in the past that these things can be blown out of proportion and just let let this one breathe a little bit. There's no rush to uh to judgment here. I mean, the, the headline is jaw dropping, yes, but then you say, okay, well what happened and um, you know, any, anybody we all have families. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And the latest story that I just read from, that came out uh, some 15 minutes ago uh, that included details. Because prior to that, it included no details. The uh, additional details in this one says, according to the complaint report, Green's daughter alleges that her father punched her in the face after she refused to clean the dishes, a chore she's supposed to do to earn money. The daughter alleges Green also threw her to the ground and against the kitchen cabinets forcefully made her put away silverware, and after he let her go, the daughter told police Green punched her in the face. So uh, that is from the story as it is. It uh, needs no further commentary other than the story as it's written. Uh, That's kind of always been the way we've looked at things like this. The story will evolve, and uh, as it is right now, it is what the story says it is. So we, we leave that alone. I didn't want to have people think, how come you didn't talk about Amon Green? My answer would not be is say. that there's not anything to say. Yeah. We can reread the story as it's written, and you can read the story as it's written. Beyond that, I, I think there's nothing in the moment to say. Packers will react as uh, time goes on as far as uh, his status within their organization because he's in that locker room on a regular basis. Every time I'm there on Wednesday, Amon Green's there. He's still part of that Green Bay Packers family. So uh, we'll let this story go as it goes. Uh, and, and like I said, it doesn't deserve commentary uh, other than other than just that. Yeah, we have nothing to add until we know more. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's just yeah. nothing to say. Yeah. So we got a full weekend. What was the best of – for me, it was simple, Drew. On the weekend, the best moment was the Jordan Spieth moment. And I don't know that anything fully rivaled that. That was spectacular. That and uh, I loved being out of the AmFam with Favre and Derek Jeter and Darius Rucker in that celebrity foursome on Saturday, along with Andy North and uh, and the tournament with Freddie Couples, who was kind of a late ad, but he's probably the biggest, most recognizable name that plays on the Champions Tour. Nick Faldo was here. Those two things, uh, th- those three things, the 
Spieth deal, the um, American Family tournament itself, and the celebrity foursome. Those are my three things that stood out on the weekend. How did um, how did Favre and, and I'm, I wonder how Favre and Darius uh, swung it. You know, and Jeter too. Like Jeter just started; he just took up the game relatively recently, and Favre hasn't played much hardly at all. So, yeah, how did they look? So Favre is—he um, can still hit it a long way, and there are times when he actually has pretty good touch, and he mechanically does things pretty close to right. Um, Darius Rucker doesn't do a lot of mechanically correct things necessarily, but he plays all the time. You know, I talked to him when he was uh, when he's been on tour in the past, and when they're in warm weather states. He will play every day. He played Friday. Uh, he had a concert Friday night. He played Friday, and then he played in the event on Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised if he had also played you know, somewhere Saturday morning. He plays a ton, and he's one of those guys who knows what he's doing wrong, but he, he can play to it. Derek Jeter, if Derek Jeter spends a little time at it and has some lessons, he would be a great golfer. He, he doesn't the, Mechanically, it's not where it's supposed to be. But he's kind of self-taught, or he's early in the process, um, and he's got some. <laughs> he got a little time to spend on business right now, trying to yeah, be a, a, trying to buy the Marlins, yeah. yeah, in Major League Baseball. Is it true he's a single-digit handicap, or is that not true? I don't know that. Okay, I watched his swing, and I wouldn't think he's single-digit, okay. but he could be close. I mean, uh, you know, Andy talked about it after in the, in his post. Um, round the presser that the celebs did as a press conference, all four of them together. And he said, it's fun to play with guys who have played at such high levels of their given sports because they will compete. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think it takes a special demeanor to, and, and Derek Jeter has that, to focus on a, on a critical ground ball in a Game 7 of the World Series or in at bat. That's more adrenaline-driven. But the focus that goes with it, uh, that's a golf focus. It's just different. Golf is, it, you have to have the focus, and then you have to control the adrenaline. Uh, in a lot of Which sports, is like baseball, kind of. In a lot of sports, you don't have to control the adrenaline as much as you do in golf, because adrenaline in golf can lead to a lot of really bad things. You know? <laughs> uh, but it was, it was fun to watch them warm up. The crowds for those guys were enormous, and, uh, and they, they signed a lot of autographs. You know? That is cool. That's good. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. The only other thing that's memorable from the weekend is, well, the Brewers won a game 7 to nothing, and the freeze in Atlanta is a good bit. And now that the Brewers are done playing the Braves, we probably won't see it the rest of the year. But the freeze is funny. Yeah, the freeze. And he's lost a couple times in yep. the last uh, week or uh, so. Saturday night he lost uh, yeah. with the Brewers there. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, very good. Hey, Drew, uh, I'll let you uh, head on your way now. You'll be back in here tomorrow. Is that yes, correct? Yes, indeed. Right. Absolutely. Right. Sounds great. Thanks, Drew. Okay, Mike. Talk to you. Uh, Mike Pilch and I will take you the rest of the way in our 5 o'clock hour. gets underway in just a few minutes. Stick around. This is The Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. With the other ones, it's a different kind of cloth that we cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't, where the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get Hey, back in and welcome into the 5 o'clock hour of the program on a 
Monday, in which uh, late June, the temperatures feel like it's uh, late September, but summer returns, as I understand it, over the next couple of days should be awfully nice the remainder of the week as far as temperatures are concerned. So we welcome you aboard. Drew Olson is out. He'll be back in tomorrow. John Audius is out. We think he'll be back in tomorrow. Mike Pilch is here. Hi, Mike. Hey, fellow. What's up? Uh, singular. I like it. But yep. there are other people listening. You know, you should acknowledge them as well. Hi, boys and girls. How are you today? Nicely done. Uh, so we welcome you aboard on a Monday. The Brewers have the day off. They will begin um, their next scheduled game Tuesday against Cincinnati in Cincinnati and still in first place. Uh, they'll keep an eye, well, we will keep an eye on what goes on tonight in... Um With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In Washington, D.C., in which the Cubs are on the road. By the way, uh, St. Louis is leading Cincinnati 6-1 in St. Louis. So the Reds playing a day game today, a makeup, before they go back home and uh, welcome in the Brewers tomorrow night. Brewers still in first place. and Say it again, man. June 26th. Yeah, and you know when you when you think about this and you give it some, um, you just put it in context. The Brewers have played almost half the season, almost. They are forty-one and thirty-seven, so that totals seventy-eight games. After the three in Cincinnati, they will have played one half the season. Mm-hmm. If they win a game, if they win two games in Cincinnati, they are guaranteed of being in first place when they come home. Um, you know, so the Cubs are in Washington in the same time span. So we'll see kind of how things play. But the Brewers have a outstanding chance to be a first-place team when half of the season is gone. Nobody. Nobody thought. That's just not really doable. Aren't they the story in baseball? No, probably not. I, I, uh, the Twins probably more. Uh, twins I mean, had the a twins good year five two years games. ago. Yeah, but they were terrible. They I were last they were year, but la- the year before that young team was good. I'll give you another example. The Twins, uh, they have a minus 38 run differential and still are five Which games is almost impossible. I know. Yeah, I know. Hard to do. Um, so the Brewers are a story, but they're, they're four games. I shouldn't say but. They're four games above 500. I would say that the, the biggest story in baseball is what the Houston Astros are doing to everything. I mean, there are 27 games over 500 and lead their division by 13 mm-hmm. over the Rangers and the Angels. Uh, that's a story. I, I would suppose that the Nationals, who are 45 and 30, that's only 15 games over. They lead by nine. Yeah, that's expected with them, though, kind of. Yeah, and that the Dodgers are also uh, 25 games above 500 and only that whole lead division their division is. by two and a half. I know. Rockies and Diamondbacks those, are real good, too. Those are probably the stories. It'll be interesting to watch how the Brewers do when Ryan Braun now returns. I mean, they've done almost all of this. Um, with Braun, he's missed the vast majority of their games. So that, that part is interesting as well. It, it brings uh, the baseball conversation can and will continue uh, throughout this hour and throughout uh, you know the foreseeable future where the Brewers are concerned, which is great because in the last number of years when we got to this point of the season, 
Uh, we're not talking a whole lot of baseball, trying to figure out where we're going and waiting for NFL training camps to get underway. NBA awards tonight would have been a bigger story if the Brewers aren't what they are. But the, there is a John McEnroe story. This comes from a um, an NPR weekend show, the National Public Radio's Weekend Edition, which is hosted by Lords. Her nickname is Lulu. Lulu Garcia Navarro, who's an award-winning journalist, hosts National Public Radio's Weekend Edition. And she had on John McEnroe. McEnroe promoting a book that he's got coming out that's out. Um, and... Navarro asked him, the, the conversation was on Serena Williams, and this is the exchange with McEnroe beginning by describing how he believes Serena Williams stacks up in the world of tennis. Best female player ever, no question. Some would say she's the best player in the world. Why qualify it? You mean the best player in the world, period? Yeah, best tennis player in the world. You know, why, why say female player? Well, because if she, was a, if she played the men's circuit, she'd be like 700 in the world. So uh, the the headline grabber out of that is McEnroe saying that Serena would be uh, you know about seven hundredth in the world if she were playing on the men's tour. I, I don't know what that number would be, um, but it wasn't my headline grabber. My headline grabber is that McEnroe says that Serena Williams is the best female tennis player ever, and there's controversy that comes out of that statement because. Lulu Garcia Navarro said, why do you have to qualify it? If I told you that UConn's women's basketball team was the best women's basketball college team ever, and the interviewer then came back to me and said, why do you have to qualify it? Why aren't they just the best basketball team ever? Now, they're the most decorated, most successful basketball team ever. I think you could certainly make an argument, put them in the conversation with the UCLA men, under John Wooden. But I would be qualifying that by saying they're the most celebrated, decorated, award-winning. That's different from saying best. McEnroe said from a tennis perspective that Serena Williams is the best female tennis player ever. If McEnroe had said that Serena Williams is the best tennis player ever, my follow-up would be, you mean better than Rafa Nadal? Better than Roger Federer? No, I should have qualified it. The best female tennis player of all time. That's why he qualified it in the first place. To bring into question why he would qualify it, to me, is what rankled the controversy. And I thought that that's on Lulu Garcia Navarro. And if I'm not mentioning Lulu Garcia Navarro's name 20 times during the program today, I don't think anybody paid attention that she asked the question. It's an unfair situation for McEnroe to be in because he was specifically asked that question by here. Why well, are you qualifying it? What are you talking about? Are you making a big deal out of this? He's like, no, I'm calling it the way I see it. But, you know, it's not the politically correct thing to say, Mike. Isn't that part of it? People well, don't want to hear, oh, there's a yeah, difference between men and women. What are you talking about? My point was that Lulu Garcia Navarro made it politically she did. incorrect. Yes. McEnroe he, didn't McEnroe do anything didn't, on his own to make it that way. No. McEnroe uh, qualified it because it deserves a qualifier. It yes, deserves correct. a qualifier. Correct. There's no there's no uh there's nobody that's gonna call into this program and make a valid try to make a valid point by saying Serena Williams is the best tennis player of all time. If they qualify it by saying she will end up being the most the winningest tennis player of all time 
I'm probably not going to have an argument. Correct. Because she she, she would be s- certainly will be. She still has to pass Margaret Court, and she will, I think. Although she's going to have a baby first, so that maybe could she won't bring it back a little. Yeah. Maybe she won't pass Margaret Court. But the point is, somebody could call in and make the argument that Serena Williams will be the winningest tennis player of all time. I'm not going to argue with you. But if you call in and say Serena Williams is the best tennis player of all time, now we're now we're not. You have to qualify it: best female tennis player of all time, most decorated tennis player of all time, winningest tennis player of all time. All of those, yes, best tennis player of all time. No, that would be akin to saying that uh, Annika Sormstam was the best golfer golfer of all time, right. best female golfer of all time, maybe most decorated golfer of all time, winningest golfer of all time. But there, there's a difference, and McEnroe qualified it, and she made it. Lulu Garcia Navarro made the qualification a controversy, and it's not. Wasn't this really got under your skin, didn't it? What got under my skin is that McEnroe ended up being a little bit of a lightning rod on this. And he shouldn't have been. it was clickbait. It was headline clickbait on the internet. Yeah, I saw it, yeah. And that was, he didn't warrant that. Yeah. He didn't deserve that. It was, shoot, you know what the deal is? Is it made the network news morning programs, the Good Morning it's America, not politically the correct. Today Show, um, and there was that there was that uh, wow factor? Like, did you hear what John McEnroe said? John McEnroe didn't say anything. Are you, are you, you're getting me to stay through the commercial break so you can tell me what he said, and then I go, oh, well, that's nothing, right? Correct. That was my issue with it today, and uh, so that's why I brought. But it there's up. people who take this literally, thinking he's the devil for thinking that and saying that and gets into the equality thing. I hate getting political on a sports talk show, but that's part of it. I mean, it is. Yeah. Especially with the younger generation, I think 35 and under or so. Part of the deal. And uh, and it, it didn't, I don't need an, or mean to make it a, uh, a contentious discussion because you know what? It's not contentious. That's why nobody called. You're probably right. right? I mean, it's why nobody <laughs> called. And I'm just pointing out that this is not Has a anyone point, called on it all day? It's not a point of... Yeah, we had a couple of calls. Okay. It's not a point of controversy. And that was my point today, is to say that this conversation is not controversial. John McEnroe was not controversial. The internet and news tried to make it controversial, and the interviewer tried to... But there's no controversy here. I saw, there's no issue. I saw that clickbait, I think, Sunday on MSN about McEnroe making some comment about that. I'm like, I'm not clicking it. I yeah. know why that's there. I'm not giving you the click. I'm not yeah. giving you the hit. I know why that's there. I know John McEnroe enough. He's not going to go out of it and say that. He knows what he's talking about. So in this hour, if you, we'd like to open up phone lines. I want to get what was your best of the weekend. What was the best, and did you have a problem with anything over the weekend? There was the Jordan Spieth celebration on the first hole of sudden death with Daniel Berger Mm -hmm. that was just spectacular, but some people might have an issue. There was the AmFam Championship, the Brewers road trip continuing or getting underway and wrapping up in Atlanta, but now continuing tomorrow night in Cincinnati. What was the best of the weekend? 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. And or if you have a worst of the weekend. So uh, phone calls, 877-729-1070, your best, your worst of the weekend. We'll get to your phone calls after we take this commercial time out. You're listening to The Mike Heller Show. 877-729-1070, and I asked this question. We, we spent a lot of time talking about golf in the last couple of weeks, I'll tell you that. But I do ask this question, did you have any issue 
with Jordan Spieth, Michael Greller's celebration at the Travelers yesterday. I think even golf purists didn't really have an issue with it, thought it was good for the game. The only issue you would have had is if that celebration happened on the green. Had a caller in the first hour of the program today that said, shouldn't there have been a, a penalty when the caddy threw the rake onto the green? He didn't throw the rake onto the green. He threw it. It landed behind him. It landed behind the bunker. Had that celebration been on the green or somewhere near the line of play for Daniel Berger, that would have been an issue. Uh, it wasn't, and I had no issue with it. But it's in my best of the weekend. Somebody it might be in your worst. would love to hear your best and worst of the weekend at 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. We're also talking about the John McEnroe comments on NPR, uh, National Public Radio, that I had no issue with. And I can't imagine that anybody really had an issue with it. It turned into being controversy and as far as the headline on the Internet. It ended up being clickbait. And a lot of people mentioning John McEnroe today in, you know, leaning in a negative way, but there's no negative uh, connotation to what he said, my opinion. 877-729-1070. Cruz, thanks for calling the Mike Heller Show. Hello. Hi, yeah. Let's talk about John McEnroe, huh? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Oh, great. I'm doing good. I just thought John McEnroe, um, like, I think it's a it's a good thing to, to ask the question of qualifying it, because since she's on track to be the winningest, why not, you know, why not double check? And the reason why I have an issue with it, as far as why he would want to qualify it, is because I go to a school with two great Frisbee teams. One of them won three out of the past ten national championships, and the other one six. And which one, guess, guess which one won six? I would have no idea how to guess that. It's the women's team. The women's team. And yet everyone, whenever they talk about who's the best team, everyone says it's the men's team. But it needs to be, there needs to be a qualification. And the qualification, well, when McEnroe said that Serena Williams is the greatest female tennis player of all time, is the proper qualification. Because if he said she was the greatest player, that Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player of all time, that's not true. She's not the greatest tennis player of all time. She might be the winningest. She might be the greatest female tennis player of all time. But if McEnroe simply said she's the greatest tennis player of all time, that's not true. Because my follow-up would be, she's better than Sampras or Rafa Nadal or you? So I would I would say that it's you get to decide who you think is the best, right? Well, but but <laughs> but you don't get to decide who you think is the winningest, and it's it's really good evidence that, for example, the women in my school have won six of the past ten national championships. Just won this year. Shout out to Syzygy from Carleton College. So they're but, the best. Um, they're the best but, in their sport, know, right? But that's not the same sport that that the men's frisbee team is. Well, it's true that it's not the same sport. That's the point. But whenever people, whenever people say, what's the best Frisbee team in town, the women still, you know, play against the men. They still scrimmage, and they hold their own, and they win. No, no, and no, no so, wait a second. I don't they see, do what? I don't think... You said I don't they win, they beat, a, they beat them? I don't think it's a bad Cruz, uh, Cruz? distinction to make. Cruz, you said they beat the men's team? Cruz? Even though the men has won three out of the past ten. I know, but Cruz, did you say they the women's team beats the men's team? Yeah, when they scrimmaged, that's that's happened before. Okay, but that's not really. The, I mean, 
What McEnroe said, there's nothing wrong. McEnroe didn't, no qualification. I mean, he, he uses the qualification, and the qualification was earned. It, it should be there. We're talking about, uh, it's apples and oranges. Um, and to say, you know, here's, here, it, this gets into semantics, but I think it's appropriate semantics. If you said that Serena Williams is going to end up being the winningest tennis player, most celebrated tennis player of all time, that's probably, when it's all said and done, going to be accurate. Simply said, going to be accurate. And But for him to qualify that she's the greatest female tennis player of all time, the qualification is earned and deserved. Lulu Garcia Navarro, who said, why do you have to qualify? Why isn't she just the greatest tennis player of all time? The simple answer is that she, because she isn't. Most celebrated, um, most success, most titles, uh, but that's different than being the best. Because the best is, it's the same sport, it's just played um, on different leagues because it's different genders, which, uh, you know, one sport is, uh, it's different, not one better than the other in that regard. That's the PC way to look at it. Eight seven 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 two nine ten seven. You want to get the female perspective or a female perspective here? Sure. Let's go to Ellen driving around the state in a car right now, so be careful out there, Ellen. Go ahead. Hi, Ellen. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to qualify this by saying I'm a physician, a mom, an Army veteran. Can we just get off of John McEnroe's back? Because yeah, crying out loud, boys are different from girls. And as far as qualifying it, um, two things. One is you can say Rafa Nadal is the world's you know greatest tennis player in history. That's probably not accurate. If you were to say he was the greatest clay court tennis player in history, that is accurate. Sure. Secondly, Serena's five six 165 pounds of pure talent and muscle. John Eisner's six ten, and and you know it'd be very hard to, to to compete against somebody like that. Could she? Would she be seven hundred? I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be in the top twenty. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Ellen. Appreciate your perspective. If I said that Diana Taurasi is the greatest basketball player of all time, mm-hmm. Diana Taurasi is the good. greatest female basketball player maybe of all time. Could be. But if I said she's the best basketball player of all time, you're telling me she's better than Jordan? She's better than LeBron? So the qualification is fine. (laughs) You know, let me clarify this part. I haven't heard a lot of people getting all over John McEnroe's case. It was truly uh, put out there as clickbait. It was teased on the morning network news programs. You won't believe what John McEnroe said about Serena Williams. We'll tell you a little bit later on. Sure. And there was nothing. He didn't say anything other than than one heck of a compliment to say that she's the greatest female tennis player of all time. How would you look at it this way if I said Serena is the most dominant individual athlete in her sport? I would right agree. Now. I but would I agree. didn't qualify that by saying in her sport, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. I didn't say. What yeah, if I she's, said she's the most dominant the athlete? She's dominated the competition more in women's tennis than most any individual athlete other than maybe Michael Phelps has in Katie their Ledecky, respective maybe. sport. But Katie Ledecky in a shorter period But she's period not of time. as much as Phelps. True, true. Phelps has done it over multiple, you know, what, three different Olympics. Um, so yeah, so if I, I said, wouldn't disagree, and I've, said, I've heard other people say it, and I've echoed it on Serena Williams, most dominant tennis player in her era. What if I Male said... Male or female, most dominant. She's dominated yeah. the field of competition in her 
venue more than any other individual athlete that I can and think of. And she's done it over a long, a good 15 years, too. What if I said she's just the most dominant athlete? Because then I'm not quantifying it at all. I'm just saying she's the most dominant athlete out there right now. Okay, so uh, this plays the perfect semantical card, which yes. John Audius is listening, he's <laughs> yes. laughing at, uh, because we l- I love semantics. And I don't know how um, you compare an individual sport to a team sport, but let's just say that. dominating individual athlete says nothing about being the best athlete. So she's dominating her field of competition yes. in a way that nobody else is dominating their field of competition. Which makes her makes her the most dominant athlete of our generation, and there is no nothing wrong with that statement. It's subjective, sure, but I'm absolutely. not gonna I'm not gonna just look at it and say that's not right. I think because she's a woman, uh, and but I, I you uh, said she's the most dominant athlete. I'm not gonna argue yes. it because there's other people that would say, well, I don't care. LeBron James is the most dominant athlete because of who he is and he does it on the men's side. There are people that would throw that out there. And I would look at it and I would just kind of shake my head and say, "Okay, if okay, that's whatever. Your, that's the way you want to view it." But I would agree if somebody was to make the statement that Serena Williams has been the most dominant athlete, individual sport athlete of our generation, I wouldn't argue it. Michael Phelps would be in the conversation. He'd have to be, yeah. But I wouldn't argue that Serena, because that works Even across, Tiger, going back to his prime. That works across gender lines. But if you said Serena Williams is the, the best tennis player of our generation, I would say you mean the most dominant, right? Mm-hmm. You don't mean the best. And if you said, like, their previous caller, no, she's the best. Um, that's also why you have to quantify, because... That's why, that's why Ellen said, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I brought up the... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Diana Taurasi, you stand Diana Taurasi next to LeBron James, and from an athleticism and basketball skills level, uh, you know, Diana Taurasi might beat LeBron in a three-point shootout. Sure. Yes, that could happen. But, I mean, from... Is she going to box him out underneath going for a rebound or something? I mean... Yeah. So, it's... These are... This is... These elements that you get into in this gender sports conversation end up getting silly. I just my whole issue with the McEnroe thing in the last 24 hours is that it was made to be a story. It was and I my emphasis is on made. It was made to be a story on a very generous innocuous com- comment that he made about her skills. Greatest female tennis player of all time. How do you turn that into a negative? And oh, it was, it was I, attempted to be turned into a negative. That was where I took it. Here's the thing, old Lulu, whatever her name is, um, who nobody's ever heard of before today, is well, loving it NPR because we're all talking about her. <laughs> She's very decorated. She's won a lot of awards. Edward okay, well, okay. Awards. I mean, she is the point is more people are fine. Oh, that's fine. But more people are finding out about her. There's her name's out there now. I'm not sure yeah. if she did it on purpose, but the bottom line is she's enjoying it because she's getting more attention for it. Yeah, I think it worked. It worked in that regard. I don't know if that was the intent. No, I don't. Um, I wouldn't say that. It no. certainly worked out in that way. 
877-729-1070. Still want to hear what your best and worst of the weekend was in the world of sports. 877-729-1070. The Brewers do have the night off. You're going to see some roster moves. They've already made a couple in picking up Stephen Vogt. And, uh, Which sending... could be a sleeper pickup. Well, that could be a good bat. pickup. Another left-handed bat, so they can uh, they can work a little bit of the off days with um, Manny Pena behind the plate and also work some of those to the advantage of facing a right-handed pitcher uh, with a left-handed bat behind the plate. So it does work in that regard. They're going to have to make more moves because Ryan Braun and Jonathan VR are going to be available and likely ready in the Cincinnati series. So roster moves coming tomorrow so we can uh, talk about that as well. I did win my Ian's Pizza bet with Drew because the Brewers are still in first place, and we keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it just hasn't. And we're almost, we're three games away where the Brewers are concerned to have played half of the Major League Baseball season, so that story continues to be impressive. You realize that they are in pace for an 85-win season right now? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that? A year ago, so, you know, a 12-win uptick is pretty impressive. Don't know that they'll get there. We'll just have to wait and see where the process takes. But to point, everybody who has waited for the Brewers to falter and become a below 500 team and a below average team as expected, everybody that has waited for that, you've waited a lot longer than you expected, and maybe you'll have to wait the whole time because eighty-one, almost 81 games in, 78 games played, and they have maintained this pace not built off of a 10-game stretch where they went 9-1, and one, and this is the, the remnants of it. They have been a consistent, just above 500 winning team all season long. April is their only losing month, I believe. Uh, they had a losing record in the month of April, winning record in May, winning record now in the month of June. When it's all said and done, they will have a winning record in the month of June pretty good run want to do one more call sure uh paul in madison on the serena williams thing here hi paul hi i have the perfect scenario remember annika sorison how dominant she was in women's golf and then she went and tried to play the men's league and she could never even make the cut yeah i don't know that she uh i don't recall i think she played in a skins game i have to look that up yeah um but Nobody's going to – very few people are arguing this, uh, Paul. I don't, I don't know that anybody's saying that uh, Serena could play on the men's circuit because she couldn't, and that's not a cut. Um, and well, it's plus, just, they pay, plus they play less, um, you know, less games. Yeah, the women's tennis tour plays best of three sets and the men's plays oh, in best tennis. of five right. in yeah. tennis. Uh, so there is that point as well. Uh, Paul, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you. We'll get back to your best and worst of the weekend. If you can weigh in, if you want to weigh in on the Serena uh, John McEnroe comments, you can. I think we've uh, tapped that out. If you want to weigh in on your best and worst of the weekend, 877-729-1070, 877-729-1070. Back in a moment, this is The Mike Heller Show. In our remaining minutes, about 15 or so before we're done for a Monday, you get an idea where we are on the calendar when the highlights of this Monday night, unless you're a Cubs fan playing at Washington, 
Uh, unless you're following a particular Major League Baseball team, the highlights of this Monday night are the NFL Network's final reveal of their top 100 players hmm. and the NBA Awards show, which is all stuff that we pretty much already know. You know, I didn't even know that was a thing until you mentioned it was on tonight. Yeah, I didn't even know. The awards show is on tonight, 75 days after the NBA regular season came to a completion. Tonight they hand out the NBA awards. MVP, Russell Westbrook. Uh, most improved player, I think Giannis Adetokounmpo has a legitimate shot to be that. Uh, rookie of the year, I think Malcolm Brogdon is going to be in the running. I hope he wins it. I don't know if he will. don't know if he got enough attention for what he did. He also didn't have a good postseason. I don't know if they, they don't do the for post-season. these things, they don't do that. Okay. No. So we'll, we'll see where that stuff plays. Uh, th- that is what you get when you look at the calendar, and it's June the 26th. Now, we've been really fortunate here. That the Brewers have been a conversation piece because the last two years they weren't. You know, two years ago the Brewers were not in the conversation in the middle of May. At the end of April, yeah, you, you kind of thought it was done. Uh, all indications were it was done. By the time you got to May fifteenth, it was done and done. Take them off the grill. It was over. And now this year you get their play, and you get to the U.S. Open a week ago, and you get the Amphim Championship that wrapped up yesterday. So we have had a great distraction summer. And I don't mean to call the U.S. Open a distraction. It was our focus. The sure. AmFam Championship is not a, distra- a distraction. It was our focus, and it deserved to be. But it gives us uh, a much better sense of the sporting world in the last two weeks than if we didn't have those. So in that regard, very good. I get it. The McEnroe conversation today might be a bit much. Um, it was there, and uh, we talked about it because I had a, uh, what I thought was a different view than much of the national perspective on it. And then there is the Brewers, and the Brewers' conversation is a good one. Uh, Milwaukee still sits almost there at 78 games. All right, so three more games. The three in Cincinnati will put the Brewers to the literal midway point of the season, the figurative midpoint season, the mythical Mm-hmm. midpoint season of the baseball season is the all-star break. But by the time the Brewers get to the all-star break, they will have played 90 games. Mm-hmm. So that's not, the, that's not the middle of the season. When they get to the middle of the season, three games from now, the Brewers have a very real, very good chance to be the first-place team in the National League Central. They've done a lot of this without their number three hitter without a guy who most would argue is the best bat in the lineup in Ryan Braun. So Braun comes back now. I don't know that he'll jump right into the fray and be full-time and and 100% go, but he makes you better. The reason, you know, for people who don't dig into this kind of stuff or think deeper without getting into sabermetrics or the, the analysis of it, when you put a guy like Braun into the order reinsert him, he makes the number two hitter and number four hitter better because they don't want to give Braun certain pitches to hit, so they might be more likely to throw more strikes to Eric Thames. Or if they do pitch around Braun, they're not going to pitch around back-to-back hitters, so that gives Travis Shaw an opportunity. And oh, by the way, Eric Thames in the number two spot in the lineup, left-handed. Ryan Braun, the number three, right-handed. Travis Shaw, the number four, left-handed. Domingo Santana, the likely number five, right-handed. Unless it's Hernan Perez, right-handed. 
you you've got options. You're saying it lengthens your lineup. It makes it better. That's always oh, fun. Opposing pitchers have a harder time going through a lineup figuratively in in their mind in working their way through a lineup that has Braun as the number three hitter. Mm-hmm. Unless they find that he is really in a slump and they can pitch to spots that otherwise he makes you pay for. But just putting him back in the lineup makes you a better lineup. And they've been without him now for an extended period of time. So, so do you plug him right into that three-hole, maybe hit him second to see some better pitches? No, I think uh, uh, Ryan Braun has been, other than when Prince was there, Ryan Braun has been the three-hitter. and I think 2014 he had second a little bit here and there just to get his bat going. Yeah, I don't know that they'll, I don't know that they'll move him from three. I think, you know... Who, who who else hits three? Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking of Shaw. But if you hit Shaw three, then who do you hit four? Yes. Who do you hit five? It's got a trickle-down effect unless so, you move Thames to three and yeah. Shaw four. I Domingo Santana has uh, been in the four spot at times when Shaw wasn't. Uh, Santana has been that good of a hitter. Hernan Perez has been that good of a hitter. But I think Braun steps back into the three spot in the lineup in a really hitters-friendly ballpark in Cincinnati. Uh, the Reds losing, by the way, today, 8-1 in St. Louis. So the Cardinals, uh, Cardinals, by the way, are starting to get buried. They're 34-40. and 40. They are six games under five hundred. Now, that's just five games out of the division, but with two teams in front of them, the Pirates in a virtual tie, and the Cubs. The Cardinals are within 30 days of having to make, or 25 days of having to make decisions. Oh. Are they sellers? Breaking your heart, isn't Are it? Are they sellers at the trade deadline one month from now? Brewers could pick up Adam Wainwright for a push in September, huh? Yeah, well, Adam Wainwright's got to prove good. Get somebody out. <laughs> yeah, he's unless been rough. You can, unless you can trade for the 12-month-ago um, Adam Wainwright. Trying to look the last time the Cardinals finished a year less than 500 was 2007. And before that, you'd have to go back to 99. So since 99, they finished sub-500 just twice. Yeah. Well, That's a heck of a yeah, run. In this, in this century, they have finished under 500 Once. one time. That's a heck of a run. So, the, the, I mean, listen, I've said this over and over again. Part of my hatred for the St. Louis Cardinals is a bit of uh, baseball jealousy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's and one 1982. Heck of a team. You know, some people hate the Packers. I mean, you're not in that category. No. But there, there are people that live in Illinois. I actually like that the Packers. <laughs> hate the Packers, and part of the reason they hate the Packers, I don't think it's about arrogance. I think they hate the Packers out of competitive jealousy. I hate the Cardinals because they beat the Brewers in '82. They beat the Brewers in '11 in the NLCS. Yeah. And um, and they have beaten the Brewers a lot of times in meaningful series at critical times. So it's not that I and I don't I didn't like Larusa so much. Uh, he could he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Other, other than the fact that he won, so my dislike for St. Louis is built as much on jealousy of their success as it is uh, on anything otherwise tangible. I mean, Yadier Molina is has had a great career. I don't really like Yadier Molina. Um, you know, like a lot of Bears fans didn't like Favre or don't like Rodgers. Uh, I get it. It makes sense. That's why I don't like the Cardinals. I can understand. I can relate. They also were an 83-win team in 06 and won the whole thing. Part of that's because they had so many injuries all year. By the time the playoffs started, it was like a 90-win team out there. That was part of it. But they still pulled that off. By the way, a buddy of yours, his name's Chris. I'm not going to give his last name out. 
got on you a little bit, saying there's not anything else to watch. We got the College World Series, Game 1 tonight. Game 1 of the Championship Series of the College World Series tonight, LSU, Florida. That's right. Well, okay, but here's the thing. If you, I don't, I don't, you know, I play college baseball, but I don't pay attention to college right. baseball. It's something to watch. It's exciting to watch. Cool to watch, though, isn't it? I guess not. <laughs> You're giving me like, eh, I don't know about that. Not into it at all. You know, on MLB Network tonight, the Cubs and Nationals are yeah. on MLB Network. Who's throwing so, in that one? Uh, you know, See, you know, I love watching certain pitchers that. pitch. You, you if there's a certain pitcher and... out, you know, I'll, 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 I can look it up. Uh, it is uh, Butler and Gonzalez. Yeah. Nah, well, nah. Gonzalez is 7-1 and one with a... ERA less yeah. than three. So, but yeah, it's just it's not for me. It's not the pitching matchup. It's it's the the matchup matchup. It's the Cubs and uh, the team that's trying to chase down the first place Milwaukee Brewers. Um, yeah, that's true. That's the that's story. True. So that's why I have an interest in that. And I'll tune in on the. Uh, your care factor is not real high. My there. care factor is high. No. no. Okay. Um, You're thinking of California sunshine. Yeah, I, I'm I'm that too. I'm I'm I've got a little bit of the uh, senioritis uh, before uh, I get a little vacation. So, um, but I'll be back in tomorrow. And Adius will be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Well, that's the schedule. And, He's got uh, a floating schedule right now. I told I gave John extra responsibility because next Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, we're guest hosting on the Dan Patrick Show. Dan's having a knee replacement on Friday. Ooh, not good. That's a big I don't deal. Know, is it a replacement? He's having knee surgery on Friday. I, I'm not sure if it's a replacement, but he's having knee surgery on Friday. So he'll be out a little do, while. Yeah, they're going to do some best of Monday, Tuesday, which is the third and fourth of July. There's going to be a lot of people gone uh, and a lot of best ofs in that regard. And then we'll step in and guest host Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week on the Dan Patrick Show. But I said to John, I said, John, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. I'm on vacation going into that. Right. So. I need you to take on some extra responsibility. And he looked at me like Ted Cockroach. I said, "What?" <laughs> so, yeah, you, you, I you, know that look. You can, you got that, John. You just help out. Go to Fritzy. Uh, lean on Todd Fritz with the Dan Patrick Show. Uh, help on. He'll help you on some guest stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'll jump into that. A uh, little cold, but I'll ca- yeah. I'll catch up. I'll I'll be ready to go. But John's got to carry a little bit. Oh, it makes me nervous. I don't blame you for that. John's got to carry a little bit more weight walking into that Wednesday. Is he going to talk about like YouTube videos all day? No, no, I don't. Li- I won't allow what you and John do when I'm away. What you guys <laughs> do to this show, don't. I wouldn't. Uh, wouldn't ever allow that. That would be the end of my Dan Patrick opportunities. <laughs> so, but yeah, That's he'll, fair. He'll carry a little bit more of that uh, low beginning Wednesday, but he'll be back in tomorrow. And then next week, we're filling in on the Dan Patrick Show Wednesday to Friday. But uh, John will be back in tomorrow. We'll get to find out about his golf game. I think he golfed today with Brian Post. Probably did. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm interested in finding out how those two guys did. Who do you and, think won? Um, I've never seen Post uh, Never golf. seen him golf? No. Okay. No. I haven't either. That's why I'm asking. So, I have an idea what John's game's like. I don't know Brian's at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Somebody just said, um, uh, I don't know if you... Saw that that top text there. So uh, we can we continue. It's taking care of a technical issue. As yeah, uh, I can't do anything about okay. that. Right. I'll, I'll get on it. Just though. let somebody um, know about it. And I just lost my headset here. Did you really did something different? Um, 
Uh, that might help. There we go. Yeah. All right. So uh, no Brewers baseball tonight. They're going to make roster moves, and we'll visit with Tom Hardercard about that tomorrow. He'll join us in the 5 o'clock hour tomorrow to get you all set for what's going on um, with uh, the Brewers and any potential roster moves. that. Uh, and there will be, not potential. There will be roster moves tomorrow where Ryan Braun and Jonathan VR are concerned. Uh, Stephen Vogt, that roster move's already been made. Lewis Brinson, he has been sent down uh, back to Colorado Springs and AAA. So there are things that are going on, but there will be more tomorrow because of the Ryan Braun, Jonathan VR situations. We'll see how they develop. Tom Hardercourt will join us. Also on the program tomorrow, Jeff Patrikas. He joins us Tuesdays on the show as we uh, we click down a little bit closer to uh, the the countdown number is 66 days as of tomorrow before the Badgers begin the college football season on September the 1st, Utah State on a Friday night home game at Camp Randall. So on the 66-day countdown number that is tomorrow, we'll talk with um, Jeff Patrikas. Feels like football today. Yeah, it does. We'll talk to him about this current team. There was some recruiting news today. So we'll get to a a number of items. And football is going to get away. I mean, now's now's the vacation time. Yes, uh, they've done most of their work in some of their camps, and and they get uh, they get a little downtime. But this Patrick is this, essentially the only time coaches take time off is pretty yeah, much right now. Right now, uh, Patrick has never really takes time off. He's always working. I give him a hard time, but he's always working, and he's he's got his uh, finger on the pulse of what's going on. So we'll get uh, some conversation with him on Badger football, sitting less than seventy days from their opener against Utah State. He'll join us on the program tomorrow as well. It'll be here before you know it, though. Yeah, shoot, we're going to have reaction to the NBA awards tonight. Because, Are you really? Yeah, shoot, if Giannis Adetokounmpo is okay, well, your most improved enough. player and, and if Malcolm Brogdon is Rookie of the Year, or if he's not, either way, there will be some conversation to be had about those things. And uh, we'll move away from the notes of the day, which t- too much probably centered on uh, John McEnroe and Serena Williams, which... Again, I just thought it was misdirected in the national conversation about it, so that was my issue with it, not what was said or what wasn't said, but how it was reacted to. So plenty to get to tomorrow. hope you enjoy your Monday night. It's a College Baseball World Series Monday night. There you go. It is your also, buddy brought that up, not yeah, me. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Monday night with Cubs baseball on the road against the Washington Nationals, the second-place Chicago Cubs. You can pay attention to that. Uh, and the NBA Awards and the NFL Network's Top 100 Final Reveal is all going on tonight. Or there's always a movie to watch. Yeah, always. Right, so always Netflix time. We'll be back in uh, tomorrow after 2 for most of our listeners. Thanks for being here. This is The Mike Heller Show. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.